Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Hollywood Matt Connolly with the double biceps. It is in the contract. It is a legal requirement. Every single time you appear on camera, it is in the fine print. It's very small. It's written there. I didn't see it when I originally signed the contract, but now I've got to do it every single time. It's nothing to do with me showing off my my biceps that have taken 21 years to develop in the gym. Mm. Nothing to do with that at all, uh, no. not whatsoever. They're no. very, very modest about that. It's uh, not something you would see me doing. Mm. If you did meet me, you wouldn't ever see me doing stuff like that mm. i would never wear a t-shirt of me doing stuff like that well, but. Well, the t-shirt specifically <laughs> of you posing for instance would never be created no it no. Wouldn't. no that's right yeah this this is a uh, is is a projection of me but uh it, it was captured in one of the intro moments so mm. yeah it was, yes. it was a rare moment is it is it just the start of any social media content that you might be involved in, or is this like when you get home after work? What's uh, how you go? I'm going great. Yeah, yeah. You got to do it no matter what. Yeah, right. If okay. you've got if you've got this, yeah, this sort of an arm. Yep, you're pulling it's it out. Not, it's not very obligation. It is pretty good though. It is good. <laughs> do, it's do, do, do it's you, so washed out in this. Uh, I yeah. got to put the contrast up, but I'm going to post it. Should we? Yeah, we need a bit of lighting. I think if we're going to do any more bodybuilding style poses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just take the shirt off. Is that? I, I mean, okay, whatever works for you. You know, <laughs> I'll I'm let the shirt. Do let's the see talking. what happens to the views. I'll leave. I'll leave the shirt. Here. <laughs> Might, it might be a better intro. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Might be a better guest. <laughs> uh, yes, and, and, and thank you for sticking around through my ridiculous intro there. But um, uh, the the co-host, co we've lost everyone. They've <laughs> dropped off already. The first it's thirty seconds is gone. <laughs> well, we've been got it can only get better. It can only get better. So yeah. started low. <laughs> uh, well, the co-host, the co-founder, the man who's made all of this happen for the last. Oh, two years I've been running for now. Has it been that long? I think it has. Wow. Yeah, I think we've mm. done, well, it's this episode between number 49. Number 49. 49. Yeah. And so, Maybe a year or so. Yeah, a year and a bit. year and a bit. Not two years. It, we're into our second year, uh, our second inaugural year. <laughs> second inaugural year. May I remind you. That's right. Anyone who said two years is a complete nuts. So, um, yes, but it is, in fact, the winner of the Dave Stockbridge of the Year Award. Thank you. Uh, 47 years in a row, apart from the years he did drop it in the early 90s to Vincent Ronaldo, yes. famed hairdresser, mm. and uh, one in the late 90s to Vincent Colosimo, the famed actor. A lot of yeah. Vince's sort of... Stole crept, well, crept into your world in, in those years. Well, Vince Colosmo, of course, had enormous success in the early 90s, early to mid 90s, and then by the late 90s was trying his luck in Hollywood. I don't know if you might was, remember yeah. the trajectory. Of, and, and he appeared in several Hollywood blockbusters, and that's where I, uh, it, well, at, and that was the time that I won the AFI. <laughs> so, and, um, and and so it, uh, so in some ways things did balance out there, you, you know. So it, it is good, but um, yeah, Vince Vince Colosmo. Uh, we've always it's been a it's been a rivalry, mm -hmm. but it's been a friendly rivalry. Okay. Apart from the occasions when it hasn't, which is almost every time we see each other. Right. So yeah, but well, you know. Uh, I, I want to take this opportunity to mm. extend the olive branch ah. to Vince Colosmo. Yeah, and uh, just let him know, like, uh, no hard feelings. You know, oh. um, you know, I I didn't do anything other than be a brilliant actor to mm. win the AFI, but he deliberately went out of his way to win the Dave Stoppage of the Year award. That's right, and and I mean, I think that says a lot more about Vince Colosmo than anybody you know else mm -hmm. in this situation. Mm -hmm. But but nonetheless, um, uh, I I have nothing but love for Vince Colosmo, and I wish him all the best. Right? Mm. Yeah. Do you ever think of his name, and it, 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 your brain wants to change it to Vince Colostrum? 
because that's what happens to me. Yeah, really? Vince you Colostrum. get word association. And I've got to go, no, 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 that's not correct. It's Colosimo. Yes. Every time, Vince Colosimo. <laughs> Colostrum. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I think Vince Colosimo might have just recently run into some trouble. Actually. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So is um, curls not curly. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't perm up and, and <laughs> wax up signi- uh, 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 enough to uh, not uh, uh, to prepare for a role. I don't know. Wog Boy Three is, is not, <laughs> it's not a, a green light. Well, there is a project that that's, uh, that was afoot, and oh. um, and I, I believe his indiscretions have meant that that whole project's been wow. nice for now. So mm. I don't want to cast any dispersions. Like sure. I say, I, I want to reach out. Mm. To Vince, and I want to mm. use this opportunity to reach out with the olive branch, and I don't want to start any rumours or perpetuate anything. No. Um, but that's the rumour. So, the, yeah, not, not starting any rumours that his career is in a nosedive and he's struggling, and the end of his days are Producers numbered. Producers are running. In that's the definitely direction. not what we're saying. I definitely wouldn't want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Vince Colostrum. But what, what I would say to anybody involved in that project is that I'm available and uh, <laughs> ready to go. I'm ready for my next day of high. That's right. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, starring mm. role. Bog, Bog Boy 3. Yeah, Bog Boy 3. <laughs> <laughs> what is your cultural background? I don't have one. You don't have no, one? No, no. made it up. No, that's right. It's Eskimo. Yeah, it, it's fluid. It's and fluid. Ancestral. Is it Scottish? Uh, so um, we've got, uh, so I'm a, a direct male line descendant of St. Columba. Um, my... Uh, and there's a old, um, old Irish kind of um, old Irish mm. uh, royalty kind of that descended off that same line. I don't think I'm a direct descendant off of that branch, mm. but anyway, mm. that's that's uh, that's one of those things. Um, my um, we understood that from the genealogical test. Um, the um, about eighty five percent of my DNA is South East England, and the balance seems to be out of. Ireland and uh, with a bit of Spanish thrown in there. Oh, yeah. yeah, so nice. um, my uh, my great grandmother was uh, Spanish, uh, married an Irishman. And on the other side, uh, we found that they were church wardens in the southeast of England for about four hundred years in the same location. So they, they did that for four hundred years. For four hundred, <laughs> it was like a <laughs> really it, yeah, long. A, they were also a, vampires. Yeah. You think that's right? <laughs> and they're all still alive. Yeah, so yes. it's lovely. Family reunions are special. Right. Yeah, have to be held at night. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. So that that's my um, my cultural. Have you done one of those background. tests? And Mexican? No, oh, no, no right. Mexican. No. Well, not Spanish, Mexican. No, no. right. Okay. <laughs> Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, have you done one of those those swab things? Mm. Oh, you did. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's how we because um, uh, you can find you can men can do it along um, at their uh, I think it's called your mitochondrial line or uh, okay. uh, your, your your mother's line and your oh. your paternal line. But you can you can do it. Uh, women can only I think go up the female line, oh. so uh, they can find out their whole female history. Um, but not necessarily the male line. Oh, really? Yeah. So it depend on which nostril they go. With? Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's good. exactly right. Um, so <laughs> righty, tighty, lefty, loosey. <laughs> See what's going on. Righty, tighty, lefty. <laughs> so, uh, hey, so, and, yeah. Uh, but to, yeah, so, if you're so inclined, and mm. I think it was a few hundred dollars or something like that. So, I'm pretty sure mine is, is pretty. It's, it's Irish and English. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, might be surprised. You never yeah. know. Yeah, a lot of people are. Yeah, 
Well, did you see that that Oprah Winfrey in episode? I mean, it's got to be a reason why he's six foot three. Yeah, that's right. I mean. <laughs> it's Vince Colostrum. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I threw myself then. I was like, oh, the first yeah, thing. <laughs> on the mind. Yeah, no, the Oprah Winfrey episode oh, yeah. where uh, they had well, the theme of the episode was was uh, like white supremacists. Yeah, <laughs> and, oh, and then and this guy was like, uh, I think he was in the Ku Klux Klan or something. He was very against uh, anyone who wasn't you know uh, white. And they gave him the DNA test, and he came out. It was like twelve percent. Um, black. <laughs> he was actually kicked out of his group and everything. Oh, so the Ku Klux Klan said, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's too high, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he refused to believe it. It's like, what's right here? Dude? Like, that's that's part of who you are. Yeah, but you can be a bit, a bit of everyone. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, yeah, like the idea that they're, you know, kind of establishing a scientific atom and a scientific eve out of all of this. And mm. yeah, the, um, it's an amazing uh, body work over the last. Ten or so years, mm. um, with respect to that, I think we've learned some really interesting things about human migration patterns and some really uh, anomalous uh, events have obviously occurred over time because you've got uh, people Denisovan DNA, which is like a sub branch, a subhuman like Neanderthals are a sub mm. kind of branch. Uh, uh, you've got uh, Denisovans who um, Denisovan DNA has been found in it, it, it well the the demographic that has the highest percentage of Denisovan um, DNA is uh, Aboriginals. Okay. And, uh, th- but what's really interesting about this is that they've found traces of that same DNA in Indigenous populations in South America and the Amazon mm. who have, for all intents and purposes, been separated from what well, who'd previously been believed to have been separated from those... Uh, the populations of those er- uh, areas by um, fifteen to twenty thousand years. Wow! So, but we're, we're seeing some trace elements and enough to kind of indicate that there may have been some interbreeding. So that would probably mean that there's been some ability for people to be able to traverse the Pacific Ocean mm. um, sometime in jet skis. Jet skis could be. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> who knows? Imagine if it was. Um, yeah, so could, who knows? Who knows? Ancient jet um, skis. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but you, you know about the, the, the lost continent of Zealand? Have you heard it? I think you were telling me about this. Yeah. So the Atlantis uh, theory, oh, no, uh, was that yeah, no, similar? A, well, well there's, a, there's a continent that's been identified off of the uh, coast of Australia or e- east of Australia. In the Pacific Ocean, New Zealand, and in New Zealand, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and I think they call it Zealand. I, I think that's what it's called. Um, I, I could be wrong on that, but it's um, so they've identified it as being uh, a continent. Um, it's submerged under water, so right. I don't know if that disqualifies it. In so I don't know how the other continents feel about it, like. You know, why, why yeah. is that a continent that's underwater and we're all above water and yeah. you can't count the you know the area off of our beaches as being part of the continent, but that whole thing's like not even got a beach. And I don't, I don't know, if I was a continent, well-established, I'd probably be upset at the yeah. categorisation. But nonetheless, that's... <laughs> How upset would you be? Uh, well, <laughs> a, enough to complain about it on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, so they've identified that now. If you accept that that, that that was indeed the case, if you look at the high points, they're, they're things like Easter Island. So, um, so, and you consider Easter Island, and, and if you were going to put anything significant, if you're, say, an ancient uh, civilization that could 
that had mastered the ability to manipulate stone and to move large, large monolithic structures mm. and, and place them uh, geographically um, and and um, in, a, in celestial alignment. Um, if you had a, a civilization that was sophisticated to do those types of things, it, it's actually interesting that they've then gone. Okay, we're going to put these things in uh, the the highest point that um, that we can, um, and in the event of cataclysm or high high uh, water uh, levels uh, as has been experienced to com- uh, comparatively to ancient times um, that's now an island and mm. um, so you've got the remnants of a civilization nobody knows how or why they're there or whatever but uh, you'd have to go back a long time it's, uh, certainly it doesn't appear that Australian indigenous culture after you know 40 to 80,000 years depending on who you listen to had the ability to be able to uh, undertake such um, mm. in- engineering feats mm. Um, yet you had a civilization that was potentially sophisticated enough to do that 12, 15,000 years ago in the middle of the Pacific. Mm. What happened to that? Yeah. You're saying aliens, is that what? No, that's exactly what I'm pointing to. Mm. <laughs> is it Elon Musk? Is he an alien? Is, is Elon Musk an alien? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Should we ask him? Well, it, it, we've got Let's him, get him on the line. line. Yeah. <laughs> I used to uh, go to school with uh, Dennis Ivan. Um, <laughs> I was waiting to use that joke for ages. <laughs> I have to keep remembering it. Dennis Ivan. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's good. I, I, I wonder it. if that's the only Dennis Ivan related joke. I think it's good. If if you were a Dennis, if, if any Dennis Ivan's out there, uh, then I feel free to laugh at this joke because <laughs> it is about you and you have a funny name. <laughs> Well, there is a Sam oven. Have you ever got caught up oh. in his little no. web of marketing funnels? No, what's he all about? Uh, it's just a, a, a he sells, um, uh, uh, from what I can de- determine, he sells online courses in how to create sales funnels. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, apparently very successful at it. He's a New Zealand guy. He's made it big in the US, apparently. Mm. But uh, once you kind of get caught up, if you happen to, you know, um, I don't know, uh, come across one of his YouTube ads or, uh, you know, uh, accidentally press a button or look, look, uh, ask for more information. You, you, you can't unsubscribe. Oh you can't get out of the web. Yeah. Like you're stuck in the web. It just bombards you with, with yeah. emails and. Yeah. But then I, 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 what, what struck me is I'd not come across somebody called Oven before. Mm. Mm. It's a weird name. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. O-V-E-N I wonder if people in the future would be called microwave Yeah they will Microwave oven mm. <laughs> The science oven Yes Don't put metal in It'll the science oven Has anybody Has anybody done that to a child Whose last name's oven Is microwave, microwave oven <laughs> yeah. yeah that'd be great Convection microwave yeah. yeah Have you had any funny names Through your schooling We had a Teresa Green uh, <laughs> Teresa Green Teresa Green <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also had a guy um, I won't say his real first name Let's go with Peter Peter and his surname was Feltus <laughs> <laughs> So whatever they would say um, You know oh, Peter Feltus mm. well, Did he? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he feeling everyone? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and my one of the guys I used to work with, his surname is Bell, and he married a, a lady called Isabel. Isabel Bell. <laughs> Legitimately. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way around it, though. I was like, oh, oh God, what do you do? Change your own name. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You, yeah, well, I guess you'd go with Izzy or something like that. <laughs> Isabel Bell. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Izzy. Yeah, don't know where she is. I, I, I believe she's in South Africa. Is she um, <laughs> uncovering that island that you were talking about? She might be. Underneath. Yeah, she's trying to find those treasures. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's funny that, you know, we. I know you know a lot about the, the history of certain civilizations and, and that sort of thing, and it is always interesting when they discover these, like the Machu Picchu thing, you know, and it's like these lost civilizations that, that it's like obviously something significant amount of people lived here for a long period of time mm. and created this and then they're, they're just gone. And then some other people in the future have come along and gone, wow, what, yeah. what is all of this? Um, you know, the Easter Island stuff. Mm. Uh, and it's like, you know, you're looking at the architecture going, how the hell did they even do this stuff? It's kind of a, kind of amazing. Have you heard of a great year? No. Uh, or or um, procession of the equinox? Uh, the equinox in regard to pagan... Uh, yeah, well, uh, well, the equinox is like... Uh, well, you get a, a, a three equinoxes a year, the, yeah. the spring, autumn, summer. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, you say you've got that. But you've got a procession of the equinox. So um, you, the North Star isn't always the North Star. So uh, our current North Star, uh, it, uh, I think we've got another 30 or so years left. And then it, it so the North Star changes. So it's fluid. Um, yes, that's right. It's, um, it's also cheese. Um <laughs> <laughs> Camembert, and and so uh, yeah, so so what happens is that um, uh, the Earth's relationship to um, uh, to the, the rest of the solar system uh, it, it changes. So I think it's about a degree a year, something along those lines. Mm. And so um, uh, once it's gone through, uh, I think it's seventy two of those degrees. Uh, so so over a great year is when it, uh, you've got uh, the Earth has uh, sorry the the solar system has done a full lap. So Earth has done a full lap of the solar system from here all the way around to here, and it takes about 24,500 years. But we do know that people were aware of the existence of the Great Year and had calculated it pretty precisely Mm. ten to 15,000 years ago. Wow. Greece, was it? Ancient Greece? No, before the ancient Greeks. I wow. mean, the, the knowledge that the Egyptians had and Sumerians had. Wow. Um, but uh, it's um, it's quite remarkable. So, yeah. So we, we've, so when you think how how long does it take you to work out that, or, or in observation of the stars that you're moving so incrementally, mm. and then how long does it take you to develop an, a, a methodology around measuring that precisely so that you can determine. Firstly, it would be some observation and how long does that obse- observation go, uh, go for before you start creating an instrument that's reliable enough to record it accurately. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, you know, then how do you how do you extrapolate that and, and uh, that information and work out, oh, it's a pretty much 24,400 and whatever yeah. years, 506 years, whatever it might be. Yeah. It's, it's it's stunning. It's mm. just stunning, you know. So we've there's been people on this planet that have been smart enough to do that. It, it does also appear that I mean, from old maps, the Paris maps, for instance. Um, there's some 
suggestions amongst some of these old cartographers that, they, uh, and this is going back um, thousands of years, but we've got maps that are uh, uh, 500 or so years old that show uh, the um, Antarctic as two separate islands. Ah. Now, to go back to a time when there was um, so little ice that you could work that out would be 15 or so thousand years ago. Jeez. So so how do you how how was that knowledge freely available yeah. when we hadn't even worked that out ourselves with our sophisticated instrumentation and measuring devices you know, even 30 or 40 years ago we didn't mm. know that mm. so this this is quite remarkable there's a lot of you know a lot of knowledge that's um that's somehow been retained but hasn't been uh, necessarily um passed on passed on yeah well, they put it on facebook yeah helped. yeah <laughs> They run it on a McDonald's napkin or something. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah, all of that type of stuff intrigues me. It is. It's amazing. It, 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 you know, when you look at those sorts of things, even the uh, pyramids and how they were built, and you've got the question of well, you know, how how the precision that they had with the way that the structure was developed and the architecture in terms of the framework to get to, to be able to do that, even today, would be a monumental, difficult. Uh, task mm. um, and you're talking hundreds of years ago or even thousands of years ago I don't know how old they are but um, uh, you know well, nobody with, really knows yeah with yeah. with what um, the, the basic tools that they would have had there was there was no motor stuff there was just very basic you know pickaxes and whatever you could you know, get your slaves I guess to, to, to like gather and move me, um, stones and yeah yeah, it's really interesting. What's really interesting about a few of those things is uh, there's um, uh, John West um, uh, did a lot of uh, work on the, uh, the the erosion of the the Great Pyramid and and of the Sphinx and the Sphinx. Interestingly, was still under sand up until about a hundred and fifty years ago, oh. about. So, wow. uh, yeah, so it, it should have been quite well preserved, um, and 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 was um, um, the um, the Great Pyramid. Um, see, it also has a lot of erosion, which had previously been attributed to to wind erosion, um, that which you might imagine like sandblasting, for instance. But the the way that uh, sand erodes uh, uh, stone is certainly different to the way that water does, and the 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 signature that's left behind by that erosion is vastly different. And the signature of erosion over the Great Pyramid is definitely corresponds with that of water. Mm. You've got some people in high places when it comes to um, Egyptology and, and uh, there, there's definitely some gatekeepers to uh, a lot of the information that's become traditional and uh, uh, the mainstream and what's been taught in schools. And a lot of that was uh, based on some pretty... Um, based on assumptions that were, were quite wild assumptions... Um, but was taken as fact and taught in schools mm. al- almost immediately um, as new knowledge. And right. um, but uh, uh, so there is a great deal of conjecture over the age of these things. But if we cast in mind back to the um, to the Great Pyramid, 
there, there was a, a time when there was enough water to cause that erosion mm. on the Great uh, Pyramid. And that period's about ten to 12,000 years ago. Wow. Wow. So, so it was done before that. There's, 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 that is some kind of evidence. Um, and then you've got um, yeah, some other pretty significant sites around the world uh, that, um, that seem to have been filled in by hand sometime around ten to 15,000 years ago as well. Mm. So uh, the, the thing about the, the, uh, several of these uh, sites is that they weren't thought to be old because the oldest thing we knew of was the pyramids. Mm. But uh, now there seems to be some evidence to suggest that we've come across man-made structures that mm. could be 20,000 years old. Wow. And I think that, you know, these, this as more archaeology and, and as we start to discover more of the world, light, LIDAR, LIDAR's exposing a lot of what uh, the civilization of the Amazon, mm-hmm. um, where there appears to be population centres that five, six hundred years ago uh, were greater than that of London wow. at the time. Wow. There's some suggestion that there was uh, population centres or, or, or quite sophisticated cities with uh, sewerage systems and plumbing um, and quite obviously sophisticated uh, social orders and structures that, that supported millions and millions and millions of people. Where did they go? Where did they go and how did they live? Well, there's, there's part of this discovery is around there's a thing called black black earth or black dirt, uh, black soil, and um, it's a man-made soil. So you can't grow anything really in the Amazon. Okay. It's, not, it's not very good for growing vegetables, fruit or anything like that. So you can't support a population of millions in the Amazon. And that was... Obviously, previously, uh, the theory that, you know, although we're seeing some of these things, I mean, there's no way that you could live there off of, you know, the fruits of the forest, so to speak. And um, But now they've found this black earth and um, it's uh, organic matter that's man-made. Now, nobody knows how to make it. No, so it's an ancient man-made soil that was used in the Amazon to cultivate vegetables. Jeez. To support populations of millions of people. Wow! Now, when you take this soil, by the way, if you take some of this soil and you put it pretty much anywhere, it activates the soil around it and uh, makes it fertile. Wow! It's so strange to think that, but we don't know how to make that now. Yeah, but what the hell happened to these? These like, where, where did they all go? Where did they go? Where did they go? It was yeah. almost like there was a. You know, a, a cataclysm or a series of cataclysms that that have wiped people out. Whether, yeah. whether that be asteroidal impacts, um, disease, disease um, combinations of these factors, bad actors, bad movies, wipes all people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. monkeypox. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, deadly. Yeah, for monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah. So there's, there's this whole whole world out there of. That, um, that we, we don't know enough about to be able to teach in schools, and where right. uh, uh, there's um, up until recently a lot of that was thought to be pseudoscience, and um, the archaeology seems to be pointing us increasingly in the direction that yep, it looks like we we're building stuff twenty thousand years ago, not just stuff, but you know we're talking about singular blocks of of, of solid granite rock that's. 20 metres tall, you know, 30 mm. metres tall, yeah. cut perfectly, mm. erected into place yeah. somehow. We don't know how. Aliens. 
Yeah. He's, he's given the, the the tips with his eyebrows. I think he's mm. Morse code. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I did it. <laughs> you know, he was selling a flamethrower at one point. Yeah, yeah. The the, the, bore, the boring company. Yeah, I think it, added, yeah. it was the name of the company that yeah. was used as the vehicle for that. Yeah, that's right. Exercise. I yeah. like I like the guy. I think he's he's very entertaining uh, in terms of his ideas and. The fact that he's able to get stuff off the ground, you know, because a lot of people will have pie in the sky ideas. Oh, we could do this. And mm. it's like, that's actually not a bad idea, but then they just don't implement it. It doesn't happen. Yeah. But he makes it happen, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. We, yeah, that's right. He's, he's able to, um, probably better than anybody else, take um, um, society changing concepts and implement them um, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um Reasonably economically, I mean, to, uh, it, it costs him one fifth of the money to fly something into space than it does NASA or something, some metric like yeah. that. I mean, it's very, very, very efficient. Mm. And um, uh, it, it, what people, history comes down to not many people. It comes down to usually a few. Like, mm. like what does our civilization look like if we don't have a Isaac Newton or a uh, Einstein? John Howard. Or a Don Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped in just before you. I got one second before you. <laughs> yeah, what happens without the, the, these figures who, who tend to, you know, they, they mightn't necessarily um, um, change the direction or, or the, of, of uh, the world, but they, they bump it into a certain different trajectory perhaps. And mm. uh, uh, those, those types of people... Uh, those types of people are few and far between. That's why they're so so Gen- greatly revered. Gen- so Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan. Well, one in one in eight people in um, in Asia are direct descendants of Genghis Khan. Yeah, there you go. That's so how much of the world that he conquered? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, um, uh, Genghis Khan can be attributed to running the first um, known meritocracy. Mm. So uh, he had a habit of. Uh, recruiting his um, uh, recruiting his enemies. So uh, uh, if um, uh, if he saw that somebody was an effective commander, um, saw that they were a good soldier, he'd offer them the chance to come on board. And if they did, great. And if they didn't, they well, probably get slaughtered. So, uh, but uh, those that did and did well in his army got rewarded just like anybody, just like a native. Um, yeah. So uh, very very interesting because you wonder, you know. How that might go in this woke world, yeah, exactly. And and you would think that he would be paranoid at all times because if you've surrounded yourself in theory with a lot of your potential, you know, former enemies, mm. and it's like yeah, these people are now fighting for me. But do they are they just trying to get close to me? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, I think you would always be second guessing. I don't know how he died. Actually, I don't know a lot about the guy, but uh, I'm guessing it was probably brutally. Um, by the hands of Elon Musk's flamethrower. I want to see some suspected poisoning. <laughs> poisoning? Maybe. Wow. Could, we could look it up, but I like to theorise instead. Oh, yeah, let's, let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. let's go with uh, poisoning. Poisoning, yeah. Okay, what that going around? Suspected poisoning. Well, where did they get sure. all this poison from? <laughs> sure. I don't know if it was, was it a wife or a girlfriend. I don't oh, really? Know. No, I don't know. Should we look it up? Could do. Oh, I mean, I, I, do, I don't know. <laughs> I'm doing it. All right. It's happening. 
We're going know. with poisoning for Dave. I'm going with flamethrower from Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> um, Genghis Khan. Geng- oh, God. How yeah, apologies to anybody who tunes into the podcast for uh, combat sports. Yeah, uh, we will get there. Commentary. Hey, but, uh, this guy conquered half the world. <laughs> uh, but um, oh, we, we excitingly, uh, we've got... Uh, DFC 15 at the Adelaide Oval on the 1st of October. So that is going to be a huge event. I was fortunate enough to lunch with the promoter and organiser um, of that event, Craig Ike. Ike, just a little bit earlier. And uh, uh, yeah, he was assuring me that some of these matchups are going to be absolutely huge. So. Um, Really looking forward to uh, DFC 15 at the Adelaide Oval. Exactly. The death is a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Or from wounds sustained in hunting or battle. Mm, uh, Yeah, I thought it was something to do with any sleep or something like that. Mm, Seems to be... Hunting while dying. Mm, Fell from his horse while hunting. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Uh, Died of an infection afterwards. Maybe. Yeah, I guess all of that makes sense. Horse probably did it. Yeah. Horse took over, I think. Mm, yeah, all of those Starn regions, you know, <laughs> it's uh, quite remarkable. And, and the successor empires that came as a result of that, of course, had a had a very um, lingering influence. And and the demographic um, shift that occurred as a result of this really uh, it just didn't affect that region, but uh, almost all of Western Europe as well. As the Magars were forced into Europe, and now uh, the native people of Hungary, for instance, and um, and in part they they, they share a their language, uh, well, their language group is a um, uh, Finnic Uralic, so it's shared with Finnish people. So you, you had a lot of people push that far north that were natives of the, the Caucasus that, that fled uh, the, the Golden Horde. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and then you had successor states that, that popped up um, uh, in um, Afghanistan um, from direct male line descendants of uh, Genghis Khan, who eventually conquered uh, most of India um, and right up until uh, the, the British shed, set up shop there were um, the most influential um, mm-hmm. to the extent that um, uh, in most courts and, and governments um, uh, that um, uh, Hindi was never never spoken. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, so... Wow. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I was reading a thing with um, the, the English army maybe 200 years ago and when there wasn't a war to be fought they would be they would get their soldiers to to keep them active and doing something they would like that castle over there knock it all down and then build it up again (laughs) 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 so you've like so they're doing something yeah Yeah. exactly because if they're just sitting around doing nothing it's like you know they get well, they'll go to war. And yeah. they, that's what they're there for. Each other, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're there to Idle fight. hands of the devil's work, is that? Idle hands of the, yeah, yeah, idle hands of, something like that. Something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, productivity is the source of morale. Yeah. Another one for you. Don't eat cheese before noon. <laughs> that's that's a, don't yeah. have cappuccinos after midday. That's that's yeah. also something. What do you think of the, the ancient the gladiator battles that, that were happening because uh, we're, we're leading towards uh, back, getting back to our combat sports side of things. <laughs> Are we? Okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, the, yeah, the ancient uh, um, gladiator uh, arenas and stuff like that, mm. 
does that fascinate you in a way? Do you ever look into that and like, oh, that would have been amazing, or do you think it was barbaric, or it was, you know, I mean, obviously it was done for entertainment to, um, and, and in some cases politically minded to keep the crowd and the the mm. populace occupied while they did other stuff in the background. Yeah, but uh, yeah, a very interesting time that you know the Colosseum and and all the rest of it with those sort of brutal battles that were going on there yeah well i think so i mean if you you can look at that from from several perspectives is it the spectacle uh, in order to create distraction and in some part that's the case is it a matter of uh people enjoy a contest and 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 want to see want to see their their hero um win mm-hmm. um and there was a there was a lot of that so there's that narrative storytelling that we might see in in uh, say WWE and in in some uh, small way with UFC with their promotion videos and that type of thing, so uh, you can see that you know people are vested in the same way they might be vested in the the tribalism of, of football yep. or any of the football codes, for instance. So yep. people do like to spend their energy in those places. I think overwhelmingly you find that the audiences for those. Um, types of and including combat sports and football and the like are, are generally men too old to play the sport anymore. So there's also that element of uh, vicariously playing out your youth once again, or or righting the wrongs, or making sure that the the tribe of this generation does better than the tribe of the, you know the last generation mm. or your generation perhaps. And you want to feel in part that maybe you know uh, this generation standing on the shoulders of the giants of your generation all of these types of things i think mm-hmm. get wrapped up into in, into sport and then of course you know it's that uh, ultimate uh, uh, the, uh, pitting uh, two equals against each other in order to find out who ultimately is is the the better man or the, the or, or woman you know mm-hmm. so you know the, all, all of those things i think are um, kind of in it there's so much um interplay between those elements that uh, humans uh, are hardwired to love those things when put together. Mm. What do you think that is? I, I think it be, it's because we are we. If we're not playing, we like to watch people play because then the risks associated with uh, playing are not as great as what they are in real life. So we like to see in sports people the best character traits. So this is why there's controversy at the moment in uh, Australian rules football where uh, you've got a sporting club that's uh, had a, 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 a controversial end-of-year camp a few years ago uh, and what's come out of that is that apparently there were some uh, uh, alleged uh, racist remarks and, and, uh, and a bunch of things that are going on in the background of that situation which um, uh, was then... Uh, suppressed by the club and it's so it was one thing that those things happen but then it seems to be that there's been some um the clubs actively suppressed people's op- um, right to be able to discuss the matter much further mm. and uh and so people get upset about that type of thing because you know they want to see in sport the 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 best character traits of people prevail and those character traits when exhibited at their best, prevail in victory because it's a, it's an indication to them that if they're being their best or they bring their best to a certain day, they give themselves every chance of, of winning, mm. you know, mm. uh, in life mm. uh, as well. So um, people like to see that, you know, the hero's journey um, in um, in their team, in individuals, mm. 
Um, so um, I, I think that that's because it, it enables people to do it vicariously. It enables people to do it safely. It's a good practice run uh, for uh, the the greater things that might happen in life. And almost always, sport is just uh, it's it's war, it's battle um, in, in in a much safer environment. Mm. It is interesting. I think with these days, the the access to see so much of the the character, the 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 person, the athlete, outside of the actual sport, it's almost at a level where, like, I don't, I don't like, I don't like seeing that side of them that much mm. because I know that they're a real person and they've mm. got you know, families, responsibilities, they got ups and downs, the same as everyone else. I don't really want to. I'm I'm envisioning them. Like say if they're a fighter, I'm the, I want to see them just as them in the cage. That's yep. how I'm thinking of them. Yep. But when you find out all this background, and you're like, it can change your view on somebody, mm. whether it's for the positive or negative. Uh, but it is an interesting time that there is so much information available because you know, say maybe even say twenty years ago, thirty years ago, if you had a hero in the AFL or something like that, and it's like you'd you'd only see him play, you'd never hear from him in between. And yeah. it's like You didn't know he was smoking Peter Jackson's <laughs> yes. at yeah. half time and <laughs> things like that. You know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I just popped in my head. You remember when they put that number four on the pig and they for Tony Lockett? Yes. It's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. <laughs> anyway. Um yeah, but, but being, having that background on people, and I remember Christian Bale, who's uh, one of the big Hollywood movie stars, mm. was, was saying that he hates the fact that with his films, there is so much behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm. He's like, I don't want people to see that. Because I want them to see the film like, yeah. and see me as the character and yeah. have the film presented to them. But when you have access to seeing exactly how every shot was created, the thought process of what they were doing and how it was all set, and because it takes away that that magic element, you know, where where it's like it's an ethereal sort of a separate thing that you're watching, mm. and and but then when you see all that other stuff, and it's like, oh, it's just a bunch of people in front of a green screen. Yeah. In some cases, uh, it, it's very strange, but. What I always found interesting was with Dorian Yates, who uh, was Mr. Olympia for six years, um, and they called him The Shadow. His nickname was The Shadow, and he was called The Shadow because he went and trained. He, he stayed in England, yep. and he would train there pretty much like alone. With, you know, he had his training partners, and, mm. and, and, and that would train with him. But in the dungeon? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And he wouldn't train with. Like everyone else was, you know, in Gold's in gym group. or in, yeah, in their little, in, in California or they were very out there. And the mm. only time you'd see Doreen Yates or hear from him was on the Olympia mm. stage. And uh, and he would be the, the shadow that was looming over. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, everyone's having, and all year they're seeing each other, seeing the progress. Da, 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 da. But you don't know what's going on with Doreen Yates. Yeah. You don't see him at all yeah. until the day of the competition. Yeah. And then it's, oh, no, here he is. What's he got? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I like that. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's the sausage making. Some people want to see the sausage, how the sausage is made, and they're, they're very, you know, technically technically minded and that's what they want they want to see you know how much fat and how much gristle and how many arseholes how many eyeballs <laughs> what do we got to put in there and then, seven and, I think so. and then but with some people just like to, 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 to have a tasty hot dog yeah and then um so uh, 
the uh, but but why why what so why why do people why do people love combat sports so much is because I think combat sports is as close as you get to battle and war, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and as it, cl- it most closely approximates battle uh, more than any of the other sports, football, it's a team environment, you know, I I, I can understand people's connection to the various codes, but. Um, I think everything that people want out of football, they they find in a much more visceral sense in combat sports, mm. um, and uh, and you see in the cage or in the ring, um, you know people's character and moments, and uh, you see people find the courage to fight back or to to meet their fears or or to um, you, you, to or to have the presence of mind to uh, to. Have some timing and 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 not over. You, you you can see these things play out uh, in it might be a three minute round, mm-hmm. and you can see the whole kaleidoscope of, of 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 emotions play out and 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 narrative play out mm-hmm. and uh, and but also probably the thing is with uh, combat sports is that it comes with the greatest risk. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's a yeah. So the and and so that's what makes it so attractive mm. because you you want to see your guy or your girl um, be the one that triumphs in in the most testing of situations mm. when they're testing themselves against somebody who's uh, equal or maybe better. Mm. And uh, what do we learn about people when they do that? You know, there's always growth on the other side for the combatant. But uh, you know, what lessons do we kind of draw away and? One of my observations of people of the combat sports world is that you, generally speaking, don't meet a, a, a nice bunch of people, right? You know, yeah. to, to, and, and because they've thought about these things on a deeper level than the greater population and understand the risks and their, their own fragility for what that might be, and for those, but for a lot of them, it's certainly they're not as fragile as everybody else, but they understand that you know their own mortality mm-hmm. and. And in a in a in a, in a moment, um, mm. their lives could be changed dramatically. Yeah. But even in understanding that and knowing that, they're still willing to put themselves at risk and to test themselves, regardless, and to see what's on the other side of the the final bell. Mm. Facing so. adversity and yeah, under the with the, the the highest consequences if you make the wrong move, if you, mm. if you dip to the left when you are supposed to dip to the right, you're mm. going to get a head kick. It's going to potentially I mean, the potential of death is there. Oh. Thankfully, we haven't had any deaths in UFC. There has been some in, in some of the smaller organisations, uh, which mainly, I think, has been attributed to weight cuts. People were cutting way too much weight, being dehydrated, going into the flight, getting absolutely smashed, and then it's like, you know, it's three days later, they're dying in a coma in mm. a hospital. Um, I mean, comparatively to, to boxing, you know, it, it's one of the safest sports out there. But, mm. uh, you know, you're right about the thought level that goes into that. And if you're willing to put yourself uh, under those circumstances regularly in training, like, you know, training, well, some of these guys are training twice a day, six days mm. a week. Uh, how could you have an ego, you mm. know, if you know where you're at and you know how often you've been beaten and tapped and choked out and rocked and punched and hurt. And yeah. it's like, why I know like that I, I, I have the ability to be hurt regularly. Mm. I'm not walking around 
in an office job thinking I'm the best fighter in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and I've yeah. never thrown a punch at anybody ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it is an, a, an interesting introspective look that the, these people carry. Yeah. Um, because they're faced with that constantly. Yeah. Yeah, the humility that they have as a result of that, that um, awareness is um, what makes these people so... Um, uh, so so nice to deal with because yeah. they've 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 already worked through that. Rather than let's let's contrast that with say uh, uh, a young man um, or, or a teenage uh, young young man who's uh, you know a bit drunk on a Saturday night and you know wants to fight everyone. It's the complete opposite. You know, mm. doesn't have humility, doesn't have personal control, doesn't have restraint or discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it might be the alcohol doing that, but it, it's it is the is the actual opposite to what mm. you find in a in a, a well drilled, well disciplined MMA or boxing fighter. Yeah, yeah. Because they know what the consequences are. Like mm. you can go into a fight and get really hurt. And doesn't it's like, do I want to do that for this drunken fool? Yeah, you know. Or if I'm messing around with my mates, it's like, yeah, we're messing around or something. But if it's going to get serious, it's like this isn't. I don't want this to get serious. Like I know yeah. where this goes if it gets serious. Go somewhere bad. It doesn't yeah. go somewhere good. Even yeah. if I win, it's it's bad for you or it's bad for me. It's yeah, it's not a fun time. Whereas yeah, somebody who's not used to those situations or they. You know, uh, as you said, if they're if they're drunk or if they you know they they think oh, I want to take everyone on, I want to show off. You mm. know, it's like uh, that's where you can get somebody that will learn very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> why you shouldn't act that way. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's also interesting that when you reflect upon an ancient sport, you know, you, you think about the Colosseum, you think about the gladiators, and then you think about what would have been a I mean, if that if that's a sport, maybe it's more a spectacle. But uh, you know, what would have been a precursor to that? And and you know, really, there are only a few things that people can uh, compete against. It's picking things up. It's running. Um, it's uh, fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, th- there's not th- there's not too many. And so this is where you see that sport, uh, other sports football, whatever it might be, it's mm-hmm. just the extrapolation of fighting mm. um, where there's um, a way of working out who's the best without people getting too hurt mm. and the degree of um, um, violence that's permitted in that sport it, it comes down to the extent that people are willing to al- allow themselves to be hurt within um, a, a sport that's usually a hobby as well mm. so you know and maybe maybe football's one of the more uh, Australian rules football or, or rugby um, is one one of the more uh, physically confronting sports that you're likely to come across outside of combat sports. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's um, unlike combat sports, it, it's also a team sport. Mm. So um, and of course, you know that that serves uh, our primal needs for tribalism and and belonging and and that type of thing. Although. Uh, in, it, my, my observation of most of the fighters is that they very much have that in their gyms mm. and in their support and their, through their coach and, and, and their corner. So, uh, yeah. you know, if you speak to most fighters, or almost always the first thing that fighters do is thank their family, thank their friends, their girlfriend and their coach, yeah. you know, so for, for very good reason, of course. So, you know, to those people, it is a team sport very, very much, oh, yeah. although uh, they're, they're the individual participant on the day. Mm. 
Tri- tribal mentality is, is really interesting, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. people love it. They love to grab it. They love to yeah. pick a team, no matter what it is, mm-hmm. no matter what, whatever, like, you know, we're talking about the DNA it's before. It's always uh, emotional. You yeah, know, that's it's right. An, so I'm going to put myself in this category. Yeah. And it's like, are you in this category with me? No. Oh, well, you're my enemy then. <laughs> how, how, how many people bought Nike, Nike Air Jordans and then became Bulls fans, you right. know, overnight? Yeah, you know? yeah. Or, or how many people... People love the Lakers and they'd never been to LA exactly. or, or whatever, you know. Yeah. And and uh, but they they were the winners, so I'm, I'm jumping on that bandwagon because <laughs> I want to be a winner. I want to associate. I also want to be a winner. I want to associate with yeah, so the, all the all those Manchester United fans and Liverpool fans, you know, yeah. um, because you know they've got that where they they, they want to hook themselves up to the winning strike. There might be some kind of vague connection there, but I, I think primarily if uh, you know uh, the, your grandparents had. Uh, 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 come from um, Bristol instead. You know, you're less likely to go for <laughs> that team. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. so uh, the, the, the people do like that idea with, with sport and and to get on and to have a reason. Then, if the team stops performing quite as well, to have those reasons and to mm. be in those discussions. And, mm. and 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 I think with uh, I, I was having this discussion actually with my wife earlier that. You know, a football conversation serves as a lingua franca for people that don't know what else to talk about with most other people. Right. You know, so... See the it, game on the weekend? It, it, it's very much that way. It's a nice, easy way because it's a, it, 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 so it permeates the, the, the current culture so much that, uh, you know, most people are going to have some kind of connection or understand. And I actually feel that as a disconnection when I do talk to people because I don't follow... Uh, football, yeah, I haven't for years. Uh, yeah. yeah, I have no idea on who, who's who's playing or what the big game is this weekend. And I, 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 so I've got I've got zero idea. So occasionally I'll have people, you know, kind of, yeah. What did you think about, you know, such and such? Mm. And it's like, oh. uh, yeah. What did you think about? It? <laughs> what did you think? Because I agree with whatever you think. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and there's a whole whole culture in behind that that supports that with the. You know the the t- shows on TV that give you all the things to say at work the next day, yep, and yep. and the drive time. You know, uh, radio p- personalities that uh, used to be full footy players that you know once again to tell you a bit of behind the scenes or what's going on because you want to know how to, how the sausage is made at that football mm-hmm. club and mm-hmm. all of these things. And um, but why? Because you know people people want to feel connected and part of something that's greater than themselves. And I think in a in a time where people are feeling increasingly disconnected from their local community um, at a time when uh, church attendances are, 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 are reduced uh, dramatically and at an all-time low for, for many denominations um, and where people don't speak to their neighbours anymore. It, it, they'll, they'll find the community um, on online. They'll yeah. find their community by watching the telly and um, they'll, they'll find their f- familiar faces and their trusted advisors on on you know the guys on the footy show, um, yeah, yeah. and that that becomes a, a part of their life that they can neatly stow away that they can use, like say, as a lingua franca or as a means of communication with the the outside world. Um, there's nothing wrong in any of that. No, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's great. You know, people like to feel connected, mm. but I don't think a lot of people give a lot of thought to so why they are so vested in what it is that's <laughs> going on, and 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 why people, you know, are, are spending two or three hours of their day, maybe their only day off, watching boys run around in shorts and tank tops in the middle of winter. Right, yeah. So, and yeah. with a ball, chasing a ball. Yeah, yeah. The, the power of persuasion. 
it's a uh, it's it's very interesting. You know, the people that like you said tying themselves to the winners. Uh, I remember they did a, a study. Uh, I think this was in the US, and the, and they rang up a whole bunch of people um, and just asked about a certain sports team, the the local team in whatever city it was, uh, and if that team had won on the weekend, you know, the people's responses to the to the questions were always. Oh, we won on the weekend. We did a great job. You know, we've got a we've, when they we've lost. got a chance for the final. Yeah, um, yeah. When they yeah. lost, it was like oh, the they, team, the team win. lost. Like you know, yeah, they disappointed they're, us they're, this week. Yeah, they, they're really not doing right. It's like they're separating themselves <laughs> instantly. <laughs> this is so from <laughs> those bunch of losers. No, the, the, those wonderful supporters that leave at halftime when they're ten goals yeah. down. Those guys. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when the Crows won the grand final? I don't know, 90, 92, 93, something like that. I don't know, whatever it was. 97, 90, 98. Something like that, yeah. And uh, I remember they won the game uh, and I went to drive to the beach afterwards and the whole state was celebrating. Euphoric, it yeah. Was, it was, and I literally was trying to drive down the street on like an, it was like 80k an hour like road mm. and people in the middle of the road with crow's flags like just standing there wouldn't let anyone pass mm. them. Yeah. You know, it was like, what is going on? There was there was a type of uh, hysteria that I think was able to be developed in that time because um, you, you just had those three commercial TV stations. You had maybe yeah. two or three radio stations that eighty percent of people would listen to, mm-hmm. and then you, you you had so information was so limited, and so you know, uh, in the lead up to the, to that grand final appearance, because you had the the finals and we're, we're in a relatively small town here that at that time only had the one team. So mm-hmm. everybody could feel like, oh, this might happen, this might happen. And when it looked like it was it was happening for the first time, for instance, well, you know, everybody you know, jumped on the bandwagon. But uh, uh, all stoked by the media, like you had uh, – uh, wherever you looked you and whoever you listened to and whatever you watched on TV featured mm. – the 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 crows in, yeah. in, in our case the crows um, 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 and and talked about their chances and what was going on <laughs> who was going on who rolled their ankle at training and yeah how many people turned up to watch them before the game and all you know, about training and all of these things were newsworthy um at the time and you know in, in this day and age you know I, I don't know if we'll ever see a situation where you'll get yeah, a million people genuinely euphoric and excited about mm. uh, an event like that. You mm. know, I don't think we'll ever see an Australian Cup moment. You know, the, sorry, the America's Cup moment. I don't mm. think you'll see a degree of patriotism and, and attention afforded to a boat race ever again, mm. um, where or, or or any sporting achievement. Um, I don't think you know you. In our, uh, it, I think those times are gone. Yeah, you know, I think, I think you're right. the attention is. Is splintered. It's um, uh, it's no it's no no longer concentrated, and it's um and, and people have got such a wide range of interests to um to involve themselves in these days that are available to them. There's so many opportunities for people to uh, delve into those and those people those organisations that are feeding that stream of information to those people aren't the ones that are uh, streaming the football yeah. on the weekend. Yeah. So, you know, but have every vested interest in getting those people's attention returned to their various platforms and do so exceptionally well. And so I wonder what the future holds for mainstream sports and, and because we, we've seen in in our chosen sport of arm wrestling a tremendous uh, rise in popularity 
very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even locally to, to have, you know, 40 or 50 people come along to a training would have been unheard of <laughs> two years Same, ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, so, and, and now it's becoming a regular occurrence. Um, and so, which is, so good. it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> um, but uh, that is, again, you know, if, if the, the conduit was... Uh, so so uh, limited, mm. and uh, and we people's attention was only on the three commercial TV stations on the weekend. Well, arm wrestling, I don't think would have risen in popularity, but people are looking for mm. things. They're looking for. Uh, they're in the areas of their interests that they they want more. Like for instance, uh, uh, do you recall where you discovered? Uh, did you discover arm wrestling online before you encountered it in person? Yeah, I had seen it um, on Eurosport. Okay, uh, but it was frustrating to watch. It was those you know, fouls, sort of starts, and I was like, "Nah, I don't know what this is really." Yep. Um, and it was just every now and then it would be on. Uh, but then it was a few years later um, in one of in the forum that I um, administrated for. Um, it, there was a, a thread topic and it was uh, uh, documentaries and somebody had written in there uh, pulling John. Mm. Um, it still makes me laugh that, that <laughs> time. <laughs> I tried not to. I was like, oh, I can't get through it. <laughs> um, but they said pulling John, it's about an arm wrestler. And I was like, that sounds interesting. Like I'll, I'll just check it out. And it just happened to be on YouTube. It's I think it still is on YouTube. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. And it's a very simple, uh, well-presented story and interesting. And it was like, wow, this is cool. I, I was really interested um, from that. But I hadn't sort of seen it anywhere. Mm. There's nowhere that, you know, there was no local arm wrestling club. Or I, I couldn't mm. find anything. Yeah. Uh, and then the first time I saw it in person was at the Arnold Expo. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's, this is that thing. This is arm yeah. wrestling. And I got the first time, you know, to get on uh, and have a go at it. And I, I sort of was trying to do what John Brzezink was doing. <laughs> which I, had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing to start with. But, uh, you know, the, the fact that everyone was nice and friendly and, and it was like, oh, this is this is fun. Like, it, it was cool. Mm. Uh, and then when I came back to Adelaide, obviously, um, they'd given me... Tim Steetals, who was running the club here in SA at that time, uh, and I hadn't followed it up because Tim lives like an hour away from yep. me, and it was like I don't want to drive out there. Like, what is this? Uh, but then, obviously, when Devin Larratt was coming through, and I, I had seen a lot of him on YouTube. So, in between your experience there in Melbourne, you thought. Oh. Suss yeah. this out, and you came across Devin yeah. Larratt in, it that, wasn't, in that process. I, I don't think I'd specifically searched. I think you know how YouTube recommends stuff, yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, what's this? Or because I'd watched Pulling John, there was like, oh, he's John yeah. Brzezink versus somebody. He's John Brzezink versus somebody else, and yeah. you eventually will find Devin Larratt. Yeah, uh, no matter which way you go, all roads lead to Devin. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and so I'd watched a bunch of his stuff as well, uh, and enjoyed it, and, and then it was like. Um, on that Facebook group, uh, they'd put a post. He's coming to Adelaide. <laughs> He's doing a seminar, and I'm like, I've got to go. Like, I've got a the, the world champion. You know, yeah. Uh, you'll never get this opportunity again. Indeed. And of course, it was three hours away or something. <laughs> 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 middle of middle of nowhere. But yeah, so 
the opportunity to do that. But yeah, you're right. If it was, if you were relying on Channel Seven, Nine, or Ten mm. to put that out, it's like good luck. You're never going to see it. Yeah, you know, it's too fringe. And you and you think about just you you coming across that piece of content um, uh, on on YouTube. How many more hours of YouTube content have been made about arm wrestling as a result of you just seeing that one hour and a mm. half? Like you've, you've more than paid back to YouTube with oh, the yeah. amount of arm wrestling content that you've created over <laughs> the last year or two. So, you yeah. know, it's it's um it's quite remarkable, and and you can only imagine how many other people, as a result, have done the same. So the expen- exponential effect of of seeing one piece of content. Which you know, it, let's face it. You know, if this was ten or fifteen years ago, you mo- you wouldn't have come across that. You would have been, you know, probably watching the football on Saturday or whatever, and not been able to, you know, experience this whole new chapter in your world. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, the UFC was like that. Yeah, that, that was a new thing for me. Like it was just I saw it at the video shop. Well, and it was also probably a classic example as to how the mainstream can kill a sport. Mm. You know, so uh, still at that time, you, uh, I mean, to to watch. Uh, UFC you needed to go to the video store and get the video and when yeah. you got the video it was months after the event had actually happened yeah. so you had to basically you were just going to watch you, you know fighting and in a different genre no rules fighting mm-hmm. it was was the attraction there was no newsworthiness to it mm-hmm. so like can you imagine now watching the UFC event from three months ago yeah. and, and eagerly anticipating it. Right? it, just, <laughs> yeah. it just, but that, that's exactly what, what we were doing then. Exactly, yeah, you're right. And we were, we were discussing that before we, we started about oversaturation in the market. Mm, uh, mm. And yeah, they, they rose so fast, uh, the UFC, and it was such an, an amazing thing to see. Uh, I, I had jumped in at UFC number 40. That was the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was Tito Ortiz, Ken Shamrock. That was the main event. Yep. Uh, and at that time, they were banned in America. Like they, mm. they couldn't get on pay per view. They were in the dark ages, is what they called it. Yeah, human uh, cockfighting. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, who was it? Uh, it? Was one of the leading politicians? Uh, one of the Republican guys, Newt Gingrich or something. Yeah, someone like that. But it mm. was like he was pushing against like the legalization of it. Yeah. Um, it's not Al Gore. Brands like Al Gore, I might know. It's <laughs> <laughs> climate change guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, it was a guy who ran for president against uh, Barack Obama and lost. Um, John McCain. John McCain. Yes, mm. it was him. Yeah, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> so he had, he was preventing the sport from being legalized. Mm. Uh, so they were in those dark ages. So it was months before you would see the DVD come out with the latest fight. Mm. Um, but uh, the first time I saw it, the very first fight, I was like, what? I jumped off the couch. I literally <laughs> jumped off the couch. It was like, "What is this? This is amazing!" It was an. It was not the first fight I saw. Tiki goes in versus Robin Lawler. Uh, Robin Lawler lands a leg kick and, and then uh, knocks Tiki down, and then runs up and punches him in the head as he's laying <laughs> on the ground and and gets the, the win. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Like this is incredible. That that fight card, I think it was lucky for me that I picked that one because there were so many amazing fights that did brutally end. I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, uh, and of course I've gone straight back. Where's is there any more? Like, where's the rest of them? I want to see all of them. Yeah. Uh and yeah, it was DVDs. You couldn't there was you couldn't stream it, you couldn't download it, there was nothing on it. There was no yeah. websites about it. No. Uh UFC, I don't think they even had a website at that point. No. Um 
Yeah, I remember because it was UFC 66 had taken place, which was um, a, a rematch between Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. Oh, yeah. And uh, I wanted to know who'd won. And it was a Sunday afternoon. I remember I was sitting on my phone, uh, which was, it was different styles of phones back yeah, then. This, it, it was a dumb phone. Not a yeah, smart phone, yeah. No. Well, yeah, it was like, well, you know, you're trying to load the internet. <laughs> it takes 10 minutes to load one page. Yep. And I was like, UFC 66. And it took me about an hour to be able to find what had actually happened. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's the level that it was at. Mm-hmm. But um, when they, but they, they, they obviously hired Mark Ratner. They got the sport legalized mm-hmm. and got it back on pay-per-view. They built a professional organization. They did everything the right way, uh, and they pushed it uh, to the point where it was, you know, one of the fastest growing sports in the world. Mm. Uh, and now suddenly everyone's talking about it. Yeah, and I was like, oh great, yeah, cool. And because I'd been in at the start, I knew what was. And it's all, you know, <laughs> jujitsu. Never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what are they doing? What, leg locks and arm bars and rear naked choke. And what is, and, but you're learning it because there was so much depth to it. Yeah. It was like, oh, how did he set that up? And, and you're watching it as the sport's evolving as well. Yeah. So, you know, you went through that ground and pound phase and then the, you know, well, the jiu-jitsu phase mm-hmm. and the, uh, the, the Mark Coleman phase, yeah, yeah. you know, the ground and pound. And then, you know, you and the leg kick started yep. to become a big thing. And yep. then, you know, so you have these phases as the sport develops as that's well, right. especially from such an early stage. Yeah, that's right. But, but the events were like once every three months mm. uh, at that time. Uh, and it was something really special, yeah. you know. And I knew every fighter on like that was on the card, you know. Like yep. there'd, there'd always be ten matches. I knew every, I knew all twenty guys. Mm. And it's like you, you'd organize with your friends. Like somebody would know how to get it on pay per view. That mm. that have the right station. Mm. That have Foxtel, and then they'd have something else, and then they'd be able to order the pay per view. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> right. that's yeah. how hard it was. It was like it. a speakeasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you had to do three things to be able to. You had to have a certain package with Foxtel. Yeah, like pay pay TV, and then you have a certain. Th- I don't know something else, and then you could order the pay per view. Then you could do it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it would be like, okay, we're going to meet at my house. Uh, you know, there's everybody be, chip in. Yeah, and yeah. there'd be fifty people there, and mm. there'd be people coming out with sandwiches, and there'd be you know burger rings and chips, and yeah, people handing out the fight card to each other. Oh, who do you think? And yeah, you know, it was it was a big exciting thing. And then obviously the fights would take place, and everyone's glued to the TV and cheering, and yeah. it was. The TV would be sixty four centimeters. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it, the, the growth from there. I mean, they started having more regular events. They started having the Ultimate Fighter TV show more regularly. Uh, and I think it, the that, place that really propelled the sport into the mainstream. Yeah, absolutely, consciousness of the mainstream. Yeah. So I think the, the point they're at at the moment. And I remember thinking, oh man, wouldn't it be amazing if they had like um, you know, MMA fights on every weekend? Mm. Now they do, and I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, I don't know who's fighting. It's, yeah, I can't keep up. It, it can it can be difficult to keep up, and then and then you feel like, oh, well, I'm disconnected now because now I don't know all the names, and I don't know who's the up and coming, and I don't know who's the threat, and I don't know what's going on to the same extent. So, but I, I think in in some uh, way, shape, or form, I can see that there is a a cascading to the um, to the size and the quality of events, and so you you know you have your your main event UFCs um, uh, where Bruce Buffer turns up and 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 uh, is going to be there and there's a huge sold out crowd and there's you know twenty thousand people there and then you you have the uh, 
Fight night cards. Fight night card cards. Yep. And, and so like that, there's kind of taking the place of the reserves. You mm-hmm. know, it's mm-hmm. like the, uh, you know, the, the feeder series um, because you, you don't really have that feeder series kind of going straight into mm-hmm. uh, UFC. So I, I think that's in that's probably what they're trying to go for and then, you know, filling out their events calendar with, uh, with these lead-in fights hoping to build up a... Uh, another Sean O'Malley or something along those yeah, lines, you know. Absolutely, but you know they're, they're having. I mean, if you if you wanted to watch all the UFC content every week, it's very difficult. It's it's, it's like it's 30, 30 hours of content. Yeah, I almost feel like the best way to keep in contact with UFC is via Instagram because you know you see the highlights. They they'll, they'll push to you what's going on, and mm. yeah, it's, it's uh, from from my perspective it, because jumping on to. Uh, to get news from UFC some, can sometimes be a little bit difficult. Yeah, um, this site is not very well structured. Mm, yeah, yeah, they could do better, Matt. <laughs> um, they should take some tips from <laughs> MattConley.com. From uh, MMAJunkie.com, which is mm. one I'm administrator for. Yes. Uh, who has, it's a very simple layout. Mm. It just tells you the results of the fights, the upcoming fights, interviews with guys. This is, you know, it's very structured like a news website would yep. be. Any news website, that's what this is. Versus mm. UFC, it's like, it's scattered all over the place. Mm. It's like, who is, uh, oh, you want to see who the top 10 guys are? Um, okay. Uh, mm. What's the next fights coming up? Oh, that's in another bit. No, look at the store. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? yeah, that's right. Yeah, pop up. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, What's the match? Yeah, it's, it's very strange. But it was an amazing maybe four years where it was like, oh, this is, it's on its way and now it's got there. It's yeah. there. It's a big established thing and it's it's made it. Uh, you know, they came to Australia. I remember the first time they came to, to Sydney, mm. uh, and I think it was UFC 127, uh, and everyone was there. Everyone. Mm. Everyone was there from the very first bell. Like, yeah. the whole place was full. It, it was uh, in Sydney, uh, some arena. I can't remember. The, it, yeah. Not the Ota Arena. That's in England. Um, <laughs> it was one of the arenas in Sydney, but it was like 20,000 people. Uh, and the whole place was was packed. Yeah. And, and you know, when the lights came down and they, you know, they turned the lights out on the audience mm. and they put white lights on the actual octagon for each match because yeah. that's, where you focused. Uh, when the, when that happened for the first time, everyone cheered and clapped. And yes. And the, the first fight was a couple of unknown people. I was like, I don't know who these people are, but this is amazing. We're here. Everyone's here. We're all part of it. We're all UFC fans. You know, it's like you've got your different shirt. I had a Tito shirt, you know. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got these things. Oh, I'm into it. Uh, but because it's happening so often now, it's like, oh, did you see the UFC? Oh, was there one? Oh, God, I didn't even see it. You know, I didn't even know what was happening because mm. there's so much. And it's like, you've got Dana White's Contender Series. You've got the Ultimate Fighter, Ultimate Fighter Brazil, Ultimate Fighter this. Mm. Uh, you've got your Fight Night cards. Then you've got your pay-per-view cards. Then you've got the other thing. Mm. And it's like, ah, oh, it's too much. I can't give up. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it can be hard. It can be hard. Um, and uh, are they just uh, trying to fill the gaps now? Are they trying to eat into the market share of... Uh, of of uh, what's left of the other combat sports, the attention that's there, are they uh, now trying to seep their way into competition with the football codes or what? What, what what's their agenda? Because uh, I, I think it, it can also be um, uh, 
from their perspective, difficult to understand where this trajectory ends because it's been such a rocket ship over the last mm. uh, uh, five, ten years. Um, that you know, can they can they push through and can they be that sport that you know is, is the go to every weekend mm-hmm. for people? And maybe it can be. Maybe uh, well, certainly in terms of the combat sports, it's the one that's going to do it. If any any of the combat sports are going mm. to, and and I think also what's quite telling is. Um, the uh, the audiences for uh, mainstream sports is trailing away quite dramatically. Um, at NASCAR yeah. and, uh, and and gridiron baseball, baseball um, in in America have, have, have dropped dramatically in uh, in viewer numbers, um, attention, advertising. Um, so uh, the money's you know seeping out of those sports um, in in mainstream in the US at the moment. In, in Australia, the, the you know the the, the the big the big sports still prevail in the same way, but I think uh, cricket's been hurt by the growth of football over the last thirty years. Yeah, uh, as as being the mainstay, and football now eats into most of summer as well, or most of that that airtime that cricket had to itself, and now cricket shares its airtime with um, a league and and emerging sports, and um, and and it doesn't probably get anywhere near the same with the level of attention at a junior level mm. uh, as um, as it once did. So, you know, I, I I'd say at the moment, you know, cricket's on the endangered list if if something doesn't happen, and and, and that's against the backdrop of twenty twenty cricket and uh, the increase in. Uh, advertising revenue that the sports received as a result of that, um, it's not really translating in greater participation and greater viewer numbers. Mm. And uh, in any other form of the game apart from 2020, we've, we've seen um, the the viewer numbers uh, once again drop off dramatically. Yeah. So football's seemingly maintaining it, uh, but the uh, uh, and but uh, you see this right across a trend largely uh, across the world. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think. Two two points. One on twenty twenty. First, I don't like twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, I think it it diminishes the value of scoring big big runs. Like if you're going for a six or a four every single ball, and let's say you get two fours that over, and mm. it's like, oh, you only got two fours that over, mm. and then the next one it's like you get one six. It's like oh, you only get one six. If it happened in a in a fifty over game, that'd be amazing that that had happened. Yeah, you, I, I actually wonder what happens to to cricket uh, when twenty twenty fails, because mm. uh, uh, cricket as a format, as a sport, as a spectator, uh, as a spectator sport, has uh, f- failed dramatically over the last fifty years. You know, from uh, when you look at the numbers of people that would have attended. A test match, the Bodyline series, for instance, mm-hmm. where uh, the ovals were filled to the brim. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward to last season, you go to the SCG and go to the first test, and you have your pick of where you want to sit. Um, so, uh, test test cricket has failed as a spectator yeah. sport. Uh, one day cricket was the remedy and and served the purpose and reinvigorated, and then that just dropped away mm-hmm. over a period of time. Maybe cricket just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think, and and until they're playing like three over games yeah, against each other yeah, exactly, and scoring yeah. three hundred runs, <laughs> I, I'm not going to be interested. No, maybe, that's right. maybe that's the lesson learned. <laughs> maybe there's not a uh, uh, a format of cricket short enough to save it. <laughs> it 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 feels 
what you were talking about earlier when your your viewership and your audience was limited to Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10 mm. in Australia. Well, you had Channel 2 and SBS, but no one watched those. Those things, it's like, okay, you want to watch TV? you got three choices. Yeah. Channel 7's playing news. I don't want to watch that. Chan- yeah, Channel 7's got the tennis. More right. Than, yeah, no was, one's that. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Well, something, you know, whatever. And it's like, Channel 10, yeah, well, I don't know what's going on there, but let's, well, they've, they've got Jerry Springer again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, but you can, Channel 9, okay, and you're watching the test match, mm. and it's five days, mm. and you might watch for a couple of hours. That's what, I mm. did actually really enjoy this when I was, you know, maybe 12, 13 years old. Because it was spread out over so long, You'd watch for a bit, then you go and do something, you know, you go to the beach with yeah. your friends, or so, and then you'd get the updates. Oh, what did I miss? Oh, well, did he got out? Oh, did he get his hundred? Everyone, everybody knew. Yeah. Everybody knew what had happened because yeah. that was the only thing to watch. Yeah, yes. But when you take away, you know, when you take away, you when you add option and yeah. choice, and yeah. people go, I don't have to watch only that. Mm. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't have watched that. Yeah, if I had what we have now <laughs> yeah where you have an unlimited amount of stuff i mean yep. i don't know what youtube stats are but the like per minute mm. the amount of content that's being uploaded oh. it's you know it's it's, it's like 600 hours per minute or something <laughs> yeah. so it's almost 6 000, 6 million hours or something i don't know yep. it's um it's some astronomical number uh, I, I underestimated that it was <laughs> i know it's it's it's, it's it's ridiculously high. Like that's the amount of stuff going up constantly. Yeah, that you can watch for free mm. at any time on your phone. Yeah, in your bedroom or on the couch or while you're driving. No, mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it whatever niche that you like. If you like tiddly wink. Mm. I'm sure there's a league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and radio suffer the same thing through podcasting. You know, I, I, it's it's really rare for for. Uh, for my friends to uh, listen to radio yeah. over and above listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. um, there's um, yeah, there's definitely a feeling that, uh, and and especially with uh, the way that uh, commercial television has been structured, uh, the intermissions, the, the constant interruption of the commercials, although you know get that on youtube as well but the you know you get the constant interruptions uh you, your attention's always being drawn in the direction that they want it to go in and um or they the broadcaster whereas you can say what you like about some of these platforms and maybe they're sens- definitely censorious to some degrees um but the reality is you've still got the choice of lots of stuff and it, not just lots of stuff, but lots of things in that narrow niche that you're actually really interested in yeah. diving deeply into. Um, and there's never been a, a time in history where people have had that opportunity mm. to uh, to disseminate what content that they consume mm. and, um, and, and then be able to be so narrowly focused. You know, you'd have uh, traditionally, uh, you know, you, well... You know, the, the magic formula was there'd be a game show before the news and then there'd be a current affairs show, then there'd be a soapy and then there'd be the, 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 the you know, the, 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 the a, a, a TV series or a mini series and then at 10 o'clock, at 10.30, there'd be the news again and that's yeah. a, somebody decided that's how we would watch TV. Yeah. Uh, that's where we'd spend our time and spend Sunday, our attention. Sunday night, 8.30 was the movie. Yeah, and you might be really interested in something and it might be history 
and so there's a, a documentary on some uh, history and although it's programmed to be there for an hour you there's basically 37 minutes of stuff that you actually wanted to watch but it's a it might just be a very narrow part of what you wanted to see and you hung in there for that hour just to see this like three minute bit that you couldn't go back and watch again that's right hoping it you missed it you missed it yeah so they had you you had you ransomed you had to had to hang in there you had to watch those all those ads you had to get through it all and then you watch it and then that (laughs) would be that and then a lot of people out of habit would just leave the tv uh, on the same channel for the rest of the night Yep. You know, and and so then that that that's that's how that world was, and we we now fortunately live in a world where people have got you know access to m- most of what they whatever the, their interest might be, they can certainly delve deeply into it. So, uh, and and that's one of the wonderful things of the the, the rising world of and the long tail of influencers and people like yourself that are able to have have a platform where they can say something and somebody might even say something back and yeah. and you build you, through great communication you build a community over time and and uh you know that, that this this becomes a, a, a an opportunity for you to uh share your interests and passions with people and and people do the same back with you they might not have a youtube channel they might just have an account but then they're they're you know, sending you a super chat. They're they're commenting. They're they're, they're jumping on board. They're liking a post. They that, you know, they're becoming actively in, engaged and mm. involved. And, uh, and and that type of interaction, you could never tell Channel Nine when their TV show sucked. <laughs> you could, you, you could <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you know, people can tell Matt Connolly. Yeah. Oh, you know, I think your opinion on you know uh, refereeing in arm wrestling is crap. Yeah, and you can go well. You know, it's like who do you think you are? Oh, you're the guy who wrote the rules. Sorry, oh, that that guy again. <laughs> you can, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that actually did happen it to did you. Happen, as well. yeah. You were having a big whinge about the rules, and yeah. it just happened. It's <laughs> Bob Brown, the guy who wrote the rules. And, and Bob, Bob Brown comments, <laughs> "No, I love the rules," or something along those lines. Yeah. The rules are great, oh, and it's like, well. Oh, God, that's him. Okay, yeah, I like him now too. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. That yeah. was insane. I mean, it was only because it, it was Ryan's ch- um, channel that we were on together yep. uh, doing one of the Deep End podcasts. And yep. yeah, I sort of forget in sometimes like how everyone in the arm wrestling world <laughs> is going to jump in there, and, yep. like of the you know the highest level people. And I'm thinking it's just us chatting like we chat here. You yeah, know? And no one's watching. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I've looked and gone, oh, what? Oh my god, there's Neil Pickups in the chat, yeah. uh, and uh, you know Bob Brown is here, and and Cobra Rhodes, and and like Devin Larratt, and it's like what the what what <laughs> what, what wow. And I was like, I can't even. Uh, you know, they're watching me. This yeah. is so weird. It was amazing. But you're right in terms of those grassroots people that support it. Because on every single video, if you any arm wrestling video that's out there on YouTube, you'll find the Drew Twenty Four with writing uh, uh, YouTube algorithm boosting comment. comment. <laughs> <laughs> you'll find Fox Eight Ball. Uh, you'll find uh, Marcus Johnson. Like the same guys on everything. They're in every live chat. They're huge fans, and they are they are deeply committed and supportive of the growth of the sport. Yeah. Those are the people that that make things happen. Like that mm. you know, they are your 
your core audience. And and it's not that they have to do anything, but the fact Mm. that they're interested and invested and want you to do well because they love the sport, uh, that's what keeps you going because it's like, oh, um, yeah, oh, you know, we've started the live chat. And here they are. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. They've come here. You know, the, the yeah. guys, the the ones who were always around. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so that's that, your crew, almost. It, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, they're always in Jake Jake Ward deals the arm wrestlers chat, and yeah. and it's a little community, like you said, that tribe mentality. So that they've created uh, their group. Uh, I might have to bleep this out later, but their group is called the Unfuckables. <laughs> <laughs> So um, yeah, which which is a great group name, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that every single time you see it, and 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 Marcus Johnson puts massive uh, super chats in uh, every single time they go live, uh, simply because he 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 loves the fact that people are doing something in a sport that he really enjoys. And yeah. It's like I want you to keep doing this. Yeah. Um. So here is some support. Yeah. Which is incredible. It's just this is amazing. Yeah, you would never think they would. Yeah, like you said, Channel Nine not going to happen. Like the footy yeah. show, they, they're not. They don't care if you if you ring in. How did you get it? Yeah, cut mm. him off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It, it, it's um, you know, whereas before, the consumer wasn't paying for the content and anything other than their attention to whatever ads might appear, and that was the that was the arbitrage. You know, the the advertiser had to be pretty confident that people that wanted to buy. Soap powder. We're going to be watching at four thirty on, on a on a Tuesday afternoon. Mm, mm. Um, and and uh, but now we've got actually got consumer driven content where people are literally saying, "Here, here's some money because I want you to do. I like this and yeah. I want more of it, and I want to encourage you to do more of it." Yeah. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's like the democratization of attention. Mm. Mm. It's it is. I think you're right, and in a way, it makes it's like nostalgia looking back at those times mm. when everybody knew the movie that was on last night. Yeah, everybody had watched it. You know, yeah, and yeah. Twin Peaks. Like, yeah, did you see the movie? Oh, you didn't. You didn't see it. What yeah. were you doing? What's wrong with you? Yeah, man. exactly. Oh God, you missed out. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, or the the newest Simpsons episode yeah. that was on Friday night or whatever it was. And yeah, and yeah, you, that's all you're talking about. Mm. That's so weird to think that I don't know how it would be now. Mm. Uh, nobody would like it's. Oh, did you watch the thing? The what? Like mm. I haven't watched tv for years like it's yeah my, my, i've got i've got screens like in my house but they're not punked into the aerial like they yeah. just i cast stuff to it like yeah it, yeah but i haven't watched tv uh i haven't my radio in my car it's not even i've never tuned it like yeah it's it's just well if i turn it on it's static but it's got, yeah um to think those times when it was Everyone was listening to the same thing. Everyone was getting the same the information. Yeah. And now that's never probably going to happen again. Yeah, yeah. And it, there was something kind of homogenous and, and comforting and um, uh, and communal about some some of those uh, elements. But uh, they, uh, in hindsight, they, they, they were kind of um, – they were all of those things but in a pseudo kind of way. You know, if you, if you want deep community, you probably want community with people that are – uh, share your interests, desires um, that are going to be um, champions for your cause and support you and and and, and the like, and uh, you know that. So, it, which you don't, you can't get without the intimacy of one-to-one communication, which is what 
you know, social media does afford the viewer is that potential. Mm. I've quite regularly seen one of your uh, podcasts jump up and just watch for 10 or 15 minutes and you t- talk about something I'll just, you know, put a little, put a little <laughs> thing in. Give you a shout out. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, and, and then we got the algorithm boosting comment coming after <laughs> and I get the even more views at Saxon. So, uh, yeah, so, you, you know, and you just jump in and it's like, in what world? You know, if you, if Kevin Kreese was reading the news on Channel 9 and all of a sudden you jumped into content, nah, that's bullshit, I was there, I didn't yeah. see it. Well, you know, you, that, that, that's, you know, that uh, wouldn't, obviously wouldn't even happen these days, no. but, you know, it's just, it's unimaginable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, so those times are long gone, they ain't coming back, and, and, I, and I think all the better because I, I do see a lot of those instruments that were used in the post-war period as uh, leading to the degradation of, of, of uh, the morality of society and, and, and also the, um, uh, the quick levelling and I think the diminishment of um, people's um, quality of life as well. Um, I, I, there's, a, there's a series of, um, there's a series of, of um, things uh, that became effective in the post-war period that um, television, um, I mean radio, it's precursor, but then television, same people, same 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 methodology, much more powerful. Um, the um, uh, print journalism, print like newspapers. Well, you know, every every situation where uh, there's a reason why everybody owns a newspaper was was worked out to be one of the richest people in town who ended up being one of the most influential. You know, it wasn't one way or the other. They started off rich and influential and bought newspapers yeah. or they started newspapers and became rich and influential. Um, and uh, and normally they did so in an environment where there might have been one competitor or, or none. Mm. Um, so there, there was a... <laughs> there, there was a so there was a, a very much a homogenous delivery of information to uh, to the population for a very long time, and um, and and now that's not there. And and now we they say oh we see division emerging and we see these things and that's mainly because there is a there are still the, in the legacy media and there is still very much an effort to portray certain narratives and and to put information across in a certain way um, where independent investigation might suggest that that's not entirely the truth mm. even um mm. or, or certainly it's a it's a portrayal uh, with a spin to the extent that it's hard to trust it as being um reliable yeah so we we, we live in uh, we live in troubled times live in, yeah interesting times do you think it's better now or worse uh, i think it's undoubtedly better and in, in in that um uh, inform- freedom, freedom of information, freedom of speech tends to lead to a, a greater contest of ideas. And if, and if the, the the previous paradigm is being challenged by new uh, by by uh, ideas, then that's no bad thing. If it's being challenged in, in violence, it must mean that that's a, a last uh, port of reserve. Uh, sorry, last uh, uh, the last. Um, um, The last, um, can't think of the phrase, but Sorry. yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. The last one, for la- the last yeah. uh, er- emperor. La- <laughs> that has no clothes. Um, so, but um, you know, the, the, if you can not not uh, uh, if if you can circumvent violence, wonderful. But it, it'll eventually lead that way uh, if you can't have uh, the the free 
um, the, the free and inhibit, uninhibited uh, expression of ideas and concepts because it's in it's in that area where we knuckle down and find out well are we going to be working in alignment with truth and are we going to be working in alignment with our uh, the 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 best of intentions mm. or are there other agendas at play mm. and you know th- those things are prickly prickly pairs to sort through and people mm. need the time in order to uh, uh, digest those concepts and ideas and people's uh, often have firmly held views uh, where perhaps uh, based on uh, pretty average information, mm. and um, and so uh, it, it, a good exchange of ideas, free speech affords people the idea to test their their, their thinking and uh, either have it validated or perhaps some um, uh, challenge have yeah challenged and get, that gives pause to reconsideration. Mm. Uh, you know, ultimately that's uh, that's what we need more of. Um, and unfortunately, society's moving. Well, you know, those people are spending lots of money in society. The big end of town are seemingly mm. going in the other direction with it. So, um, so things are better. And could, uh, but the, um, I, I think because of that reason alone, that we still have that opportunity to. We, one, we've got the information and and the freedom to still talk about uh, these things that are going to shape how society will be in the next twenty, thirty, hundred years. So I, I think that, that that's undoubtedly a very good thing. Um, is is it a bad thing that we're perhaps not as unified? I I, I don't even think it's a bad thing because I think that uh, humans are talking to that tribal element are much more tribal, and I think um, when human populations are, appear to be decentralised but still well organised, where they have a high morality and a low level of crime, uh, where they're in control of sex and violence, they tend to prosper, mm. prosper, mm. and do exceptionally well, and um, so my, my feeling is more of that is good um, and uh, less centralisation, less control in the hands of the few, uh, less concentration of population I think is also uh, very good. I, I think that's, uh, uh, that's, uh, that experiment's borne out that, you know, the more, more people that you have in the one spot, the more likely there is to be crime and, 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 uh, and other issues, so um, social issues. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, there's a there's lessons to it that society needs to continue to learn and never be in acceptance of, you know, what we have right now is the way it's always going to be. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, so, yep, definitely a good thing. Mm. Uh, two, two more topics I wanted to talk about. I know you've got to get going. I know you've looked at the clock. <laughs> I saw you do it. <laughs> I'll be quick. You mentioned earlier uh, uh church attendance down. Mm. Uh, Are you you seeing that in terms of um, other people are finding different ideas uh, through other sources of of media and then, you know, they're they're challenging the ideas that are being taught in in religions and then, you know, or do you think it's bad in terms of that people are losing that community aspect as much? I don't think people are challenging religion because I don't think people are even taking the time to understand uh, religion. So the, the... Many of the the lay critics of Christianity don't uh, uh, seemingly understand it at its core. So, uh, I, I think that now what we've um, and this is another post war um, uh, event um, where people uh, feel like the fabric of society is strong enough that it doesn't require continual reinforcement, and the continual reinforcement and nourishment of uh, and, and strengthening of the fabric of society comes from reminding ourselves as to why we have 
uh, the society that we have in the first place. And because of, you know we've got concepts of rule of law, we've got uh, freedom of self, uh, sovereignty of the individual. Um, th- these these concepts are, are you know what they used to call inalienable rights. You mm, know th- mm. these are these are these are worthwhile things. We know that when um, societies um, embrace these concepts, that they are prosperous. We know that because there's about eight hundred million people in the Western world and of the 800 million people that's something in the vicinity of 90% of the world's wealth is tied up in mm-hmm. that so you know naturally you know that th- there's some things that uh, that occur now uh, as soon as I say that I understand that some people will say that that's a consequence of colonial conquest and and, and the like and I, I, would, I would say in in some small part but I'll also say that in every situation almost every situation where the British government was involved in a colonial conquest, they also almost made immediate uh, measures in order to institute self-governing in, in almost a, in, as soon as practicably um, or, or started down that path as soon as the commercial interest kind of was balanced against the social. And almost always those social I- issues were best addressed by the church and, and whether they were... Um, by the church, by Christians, I'll, I'll say that because it wasn't. It was, it was often reformist Anglicans, um, Wesleyans, um, uh, who, uh, and and if it wasn't for a, a handful of, uh, if it wasn't for a handful of Anglicans, you would not have had the end of slavery, for instance. So, uh, you, you, the 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 same people that are blamed for colonial of the world and who are, um, are currently being smeared as you know the culture that's currently being smeared as the perpetrator of colonialism uh, and slavery and, and and these terrible things is also the only power that was benefiting from it that ever stopped it mm-hmm. a, a practice of well as as long as we'd known humanity to have existed it seems mm. and, and so instead of being proud of that, uh, as an achievement, are, are proud of the, the the awareness, proud of the, and that comes about because of the recognition of the self, the sovereignty of the self, the self determination of the individual, and and their right to exercise free will, and to do that within a framework of a society that um, that is embracing and tolerant of them and gives them every opportunity to s- succeed um, without encumbering them because of their their class or identity. That that's the kind of that's the idea, that's the ethic. Um, and it's it's a very Christian ethic. Mm-hmm. It's an unmistakably Christian ethic. Um, so um, I, I think attendances at churches um, um, uh, drop uh, have uh, will continue to kind of fade. Um, and I think in some part that's because people are also in a suburban context. The there's no necessity for community in the same way because. Church was once that it was that social interaction with your community. Mm-hmm. That's why you got you know you get dressed up and go along, and then the rest of the day was scones and biscuits and <laughs> having a chat. And the women would go off in one direction, and the men would go do something else, and the kids would go to Sunday school, and uh, and it was just a, a nice social event. Whereas uh, you know people are now jumping onto YouTube and watching arm wrestling videos <laughs> instead, so they're finding <laughs> their community there, and yeah. uh, uh, sometimes even a super chat if they're lucky. So yeah. you know, so th- there's all, all of these. Uh, th- so I don't think it, it'll come, but I, I think what needs to happen is a, a renewal um, um, or a um, so there needs to be another mechanism by which society can be continually, or people within society can be continually reminded that this connection. 
to uh, the, the the fundamentals that underpin the prosperous society that they live in. Um, they they need to be addressed and they need to be acknowledged and they and, and they need to understand that they um, uh, they they benefit from having that knowledge. Um, so uh, how does that happen in a secular world? Well, I, I don't know exactly, but I, I do know that the further away that we get from from that, the, the worse things tend to get. And what one of the reasons why uh, traditional religions have perhaps waned in influence is because, and when that happens, what you tend to see is that people still want to be religious about things, mm. and so they shift their attention to. Uh, ideological pursuits, for instance, and so that becomes their new religion, mm-hmm. um, or, or football. Mm-hmm. You know, that becomes their new tribe. That becomes their new religion. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they do every every week. They'll watch the footy show at nine pm and mm-hmm. on the Thursday, and then they're going to be watching the pregame from da, 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 and that becomes their their, their schedule, their mm-hmm. routine, their ritual, um, and um, and so, but. You know, in some some ways that can be fulfilling, but it's not fulfilling uh, in the same way of under, understanding maybe your relationship with the, the creator of the cosmos. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, if you take away the supernatural elements of any any religion, it, it's basically it's a set of rules. Like we think that if you follow these rules, you'll live a happy life. Mm. So we put these rules together. If you follow them. You know, I guess in the Christianity, you you got the Ten Commandments. You know, very simple rules: Jesus don't don't well. kill anybody, don't yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, th- then you should live a happy life. Uh, and it's like uh, I think a lot of people get that mixed with uh, the message of you know the the, the, the gods and the um you know the the, the supernatural side of it. Mm. And it's like, but if you strip it back and just okay, look, separate that. What they're trying to say is, if you live like this, yeah, then you should. Probably you'd, you'd probably do quite well. Yeah. Uh, that's why they've structured it in this way, and it's the same with um, you know uh, the Muslim religion. Mm. And it's like, okay, we don't eat pork. Well, why why is that? Mm. Because at some point, hundreds of years ago, they had people were eating uh, plagued meat and yeah. were dying, and it was yeah. like, we need to stop this. Uh, make it part of the religion. Yeah, don't, well, eat, don't that, eat it. What's that thing there when you don't cook? Pork, you can't have it in Australia, but it's a uh, halal. No, no, no. When when you can't, um, uh, if you don't, if you don't cook meat all the way through, then you get a bug or you oh, get a, salmonella yeah. or something. Mm, not salmonella, no, it's like, like it. But yeah, there there is a. So if you don't cook it all the way through, right. game meat it is similar. Yeah. If you don't cook the bacteria, mm. and they can make it very ill, and it's just much more mm. prevalent with pork. It, it, yeah, I mean, there's some basic fundamental principles there that. Uh, uh, that get shared, and 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 as we were uh, talking earlier about the procession of the equinox, and you know how long did it take people to notice just that the the, the Earth was turning on its axis by, by by one degree a year or whatever, and then uh, uh, how long did it get take them to work out that they were going around the entire solar system every twelve thousand years or whatever, you know, and the, and the, so they. 25,000, 24,000 years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 how long did it take them? But how long did it take them to distill the stories that are necessary to live a good life in such a way that would transcend languages over millennia and still resonated in languages that hadn't even been written yet or, mm. or, or created yet, 
thousands of years into the future. Mm. And how do you get those those parables? How do you get those those stories? How do you interweave the the narratives in such a way that people will understand that until the end of time? Mm-hmm. And then how do you weave that together in some kind of compelling way that brings about uh, that that compels people to return to it? Yeah, and to um and and you know and, and, you know the the the, the current. Uh, uh, canon is, is is what it is, and uh, and over the years, you know, there's obviously more to it. But you know, there there was also some wisdom uh, in in uh, producing something like the King James Bible, for oh. instance. You know, there's some wisdom in iterating something down and refining it and putting it into a format that's in the lingua franca that's that that's understandable, and uh, that becomes then relevant and renewed. Um, so we, I think that we are at a point where uh, we've got so many people that want to see hard evidence of stuff. They, they, they seemingly have this scientific kind of view of things without understanding that here's the science on this. We don't know when these stories and tales and uh, were written. We don't even know who wrote them. Mm. But what we do know is that when put together, we've now got a blueprint and that blueprint can be extrapolated in any number of ways. But you've got, a, you've got this blueprint and it seems that when you base your society on that blueprint, things work better. Mm. Now, what, there's some science, you know, it's proven mm-hmm. – uh, we've got tons of evidence to suggest that this is the case. We've got lots of evidence to suggest that when we move away from morality, like the, you know, the people people talk about, you know, the corruption of the popes over the centuries. And whenever the popes were corrupt, guess what? You know, so it was diminished the prestige of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got people that you'll say, oh, you know, the, the clergy have wronged certain people, and, and no doubt these things have happened, and uh, over time. Um, but it doesn't diminish. The, the The church says that those people did those things wrong. Like the, when I say the church, you know, the teachings say that the, you know, they might have been protected by the institution of the church. The perpetrators might have been, and and so the, the victim's full voice may not have been heard. But the reason why the victim knows something wasn't right and why they are a victim mm. is because of the teachings of the church because they've got a clear idea as to what is right and what is wrong. Mm. Um, so that's um, all of these things worth preserving and and, um, and I'm sure this isn't the, the, the first era of challenges that, um, uh, that Christianity ha- has met and um, uh, but it, it, it's it's the one where we could find, because of the proliferation of church construction, so so the proliferation of churches is diminished. Um, so we, we went through a, a period where um, over the course of 150 years, thousands and thousands and thousands of churches have been built across this country. We're not going to see that again. So we're not going to see the constant reminders. As a matter of fact, we're seeing the, you know, a lot of these properties being sold and and in some cases knocked down and, and gone forever and something uh, new in their place. Um, so, but maybe the answer is in part social media as well, where people can become engaged, 
they can find their community, they can find the people who have a belief system that they uh, that they can um, heart themselves with and, uh, and 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 work towards a better life. Mm. You know? And if that that's in alignment with with the teachings, then then you know uh, who's anybody to say that it's a bad thing because it's, uh, then you know they're not praying a certain way. <laughs> or whatever it might be, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I was saying, I think you know, you've got a is it a set of rules we, that we think if you follow these rules that you will have a happy life, and there's mm. another set of rules, and you can you can take parts of those that you know apply to yourself and whatever. But I mean, I think <laughs> reasonably simple things to follow in terms of the, the, you know, don't kill someone. But yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. can do that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do. And I do see the decline uh, in in um, the religion following. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely over the last, well, even well, my life, I'm forty. But it's like even the last fifteen years. I think since the internet became really big, mm-hmm. uh, and people had that extra information, and they were. Well, I I do actually like the fact that, like you said, with freedom of, of exchange of ideas, people challenging these ideas, people. Um, saying, well, you know, hang on, you're saying this, let me look at the science behind that, or let me look mm-hmm. at, and, you know, so th- there is more work being done as to trying to find answers, which mm. I think is great. Um, yeah, but at the core element is like, well, no, that's not really what we're trying to aim for here. Mm. It's like, you know, you've, you've got all that side of it, and, mm. yeah, in terms of the universe and quantum physics and all the rest of it mm. it's still a very much unknown uh, quantity uh, and it's like i find it fascinating mm. and the fact that they, these things don't follow the rules of physics is incredible yeah um but you know if you're looking for oh well just pr- prove that there was a god and prove that this happened and prove that it's like mm. that's you'd go on like what you, like, no it's not about that it's yeah, about yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's right so yeah. Yeah, that, that's always been interesting uh but final topic final topic yeah <laughs> um i found that uh talking to a lot of guys through uh the gym uh, that i'm working in at the moment um I'd like to give your thoughts on this because it, there's always, you know, when somebody when somebody is going through a really tough time and they go through a downward spiral and maybe they 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 do something really stupid or, or they do, you know, maybe they they they, they commit suicide or, or something ends up quite badly. Uh, and for men, it feels like there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, just reach out and talk to us, and we're here if you need to talk, and we've got you know support and." You know, I don't think that's effective. I mm. don't. I don't. I don't. Um, I wouldn't want to talk. Yeah. I wouldn't. I'm not a talk. Like I just. I'm not. It's for me. It's like going to arm wrestling and meeting the guys and feeling mm. good and having that camaraderie and feeling part of something and like mm. that's that's where I can find joy and happiness and community and spirit mm. and purpose uh, as opposed to if I'm if I'm struggling. Uh, I'm not picking up the phone and ringing and admitting. Mm. Yeah, it just it feels like a an anti-masculine yeah. thing to do. You know what yeah. I mean? To reach out and, and I get it. It's like oh, it's okay. Everyone struggles, and it's like you are allowed to be in difficult times. And you know, if if talk therapy helps, 
people, then it's fantastic. But mm. I, I think for a large majority of guys, I don't think yeah. that's the right answer. Oh, I think there's a superficiality associated with these grand gestures and, um, and, and you know, I'll reach out to me anytime. I'm there for you, bro, and all of this type of thing. And I, I think men do uh, suffer in silence probably better because there's a, a distillation process associated with um, uh, struggling with your own anguishes that um, I, I think is strengthening. And... Um, Whereas it seems to automatically be felt that that is a, is a bad thing that you'll try and work through it yourself. Now, it's obviously a bad thing when people uh, can't find any answers within that and uh, don't, don't find any solace and feel like that's, you know, it, it, that's definitely bad. And, and so I'm, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that there's people that... Um, there's a, there's a, there's a, men do process these things differently um they will tend to shut down and that's not a bad thing and i think what there maybe needs to be is uh, more education for for men on how to deal with these things in a masculine way and uh, and if you are going to suffer in silence and you are going to go through this and you are going to work it through yourself well, let's give you the tools to do that let's not tell you that you're less of a man for not sharing or 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 that it's okay to be embarrassed and say, talk about these things you know what a lot of, a lot of men don't feel like that's okay uh, a lot of men yeah. do feel embarrassed and, and and won't do it and um and it doesn't matter how much you tell them it's going to be okay they're not going to do it doesn't matter how many it's against you like superficial of you. who you are you can't admit i don't know for me it's like you can't admit weakness or, or defeat or like yeah. that you, you've got an issue you can't beat and it's like mm. you know just <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's like you say, talk therapy. Oh, look, it's almost like um, uh, I just want to talk somebody off the ledge, you know, that that's the type of thing. And if somebody's already there, Mm. it's almost too far gone anyway. Where were you before then? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. You know, so my my feeling is, is that we need to equip young men, men um, with uh, better tools to be able to deal with those things on their own rather than um, superimposing on them an expectation to reach out. Um, I, I think that would be good because I also feel like it's empowering for men to overcome those things. Now, I'll also say that, you know, I think after a period of uh, uh, the way that my, uh, I'm just going to say myself, you have moments of deep contemplation, um, I, I certainly do, and then you, if you if you do have someone that you can talk to, and it's normally talking about strategy as to how to resolve whatever situation you're in mm-hmm. rather than how you feel about that situation, Jeez, which yeah. is what the – this is probably the disconnect in popular culture around this particular issue is, oh, men should talk about their feelings. Men right, should yeah. talk, no, men should talk about how to fix these things amongst each other and support themselves in fixing these things because really there's nothing out there that's so bad that you can't fix it or, or – that you can't ask for forgiveness for what you've done. Mm. Obviously, you know there there are, there there are a few exceptions to that, which you know. Um, but for almost everything else, you, you have the ability to make amends. You have the ability to fix it. Um, you have the the ability to continue to be in service. Now, if this means that a relationship is breaking down as a result of whatever, you are not your relationships. You you know the you 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 are not. Uh, the people that you spend time with you are yourself Mm. and your mission there is then to find if these people don't want me to be in service of them 
in this relationship any longer, then my job is to be in service of something. Because when you're in service of something and of something greater than yourself, then things tend to work out. Now, if you're in service, for instance, to your partner, well, that's probably because you're demonstrating to your partner that you want to be in service of a family and to what extent that you're willing to make certain sacrifices, personal sacrifices, to move towards that goal of having a strong family environment. So this is what you're doing. So um, now if that changes, um, then you know you might be in the mode of trying to establish a family with someone and then that relationship ends. It means, it, it, it means at that point those aspirations stop, mm-hmm. but the wanting to be of service should not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's through that that the next opportunity in relationship or life or business or whatever it might be will pop up. Mm. You know, so uh, if that's in, uh, like yourself, you're very much in service to uh, arm wrestling, uh, the arm wrestling club. You know, you'll you'll be the, the 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 first person there. You're opening up. You're bringing the tables. You're setting things up. You're welcoming new members. You're organising super matches. You, you, you're setting up the camera. You're doing. You, you're in service of, of the club, and anybody who's in observance of that would say, well, there's a leader. There's somebody who's organised. There's somebody who's diligent. There's somebody who has purpose. There's somebody who is serving other people selfishly. There's a, a gaggle, uh, and that's just a few, but that's a gaggle of, of, of qualities that are admirable. And anybody who's an observance of that, if they're uh, another young man, they might see an example. If they're uh, a, a woman, they, they might see a, a, a potential partner or a husband or, or whatever. But that, uh, there is... Uh, in, in being in service, it's very difficult to be in deep depression. Mm. Yeah. Are you getting fulfillment from, from the actions that you're taking mm. to help benefit other people as well as yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So on, on that matter of uh, depression, um, production is the source of morale mm. uh, more often than not. Um, it might be physiological things, but that that's a... That's a uh, I, I would... I would uh, I would suggest that most people that have been diagnosed with depression um, have been diagnosed um, potentially uh, that giving them licence to feel like they don't need to do anything else other than what they've been doing. If you're feeling depressed, there's normally a good reason for it And, and it's almost always because you feel like you're falling short of your own potential. And here's the thing. You should always feel like you're falling short of your potential. Sometimes you just feel like you're falling further short than what you should. But you should always feel like you're falling short of your potential because that's where your drive comes from. Mm-hmm. The knowing that you could actually do a little bit better. Yeah. The knowing that you know, if given another chance, you could do something greater. Um. So, you know, there's one. I think men should be better equipped with the tools to deal with those things in silence. Two, those people that want to talk about it, great, need those reference points, but seldom are they their bros on Facebook or whatever. You know, you know, give them a shout, call me anytime, have a chat, whatever. You know, that that, that type of superficialness I, I don't think actually is very helpful at all. Um, and thirdly, I think, you know, those people that are suffering in, in that way, um, a level of introspection is often required because I feel that in almost all circumstances where people are suffering in that way, it's because of a diminishment of purpose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in yeah. their lives. Um, and um, and that's not to say that 
and it definitely is not to say they're bad people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people just get off track, and 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 not only that, but don't have the tools to be able to self-identify that they've come off track, and then don't know where they came off the tracks, mm. and so don't know how to fix their situation, and now feel even more depressed because they're in a shitty situation that they created and they don't know how they created yeah. it, and they don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. So, you know, the the, the these things, um, I I think um, there, there needs to be a better strategy. Uh, than that which is uh, popularised by government agencies and mainstream media alike, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and, and and raising charity money for these things and and and, and events don't seem to be helping. By the way, mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to be mean about this, but it doesn't matter how much money you're going to be raising for the black dog appeal or whatever it might be that's out there. It ain't helping. It isn't helping because I, from what I can discern. There's not much that's going on that's any different. The situation's getting worse. The more money that's being raised is, n- is not reducing the numbers uh, of suicides. Mm. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, a new strategy is required. Mm. Um, it feels like they've taken a very matriarchal mm. system mm-hmm. of support mm-hmm. and tried to apply it to a masculine side of things. Yep. And it's like talk therapy and we're counselling and it's like, I'm not going to do that. Mm. I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want that's not mm. No, 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 no. Yeah. I would prefer to feel 10 times worse than to talk about that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, embarrassment, shame and an inability to be able to solve your situation uh, are the things that will lead to depression. Yeah. You know, or, or lead to you feeling that way. Mm. You know, that's just... Um, and so, you know, you've got to look at it in that prism. Uh, you know, can this person remedy whatever it is? And it might be a series of things that have happened, but there could be one core reason that uh, f- for all of that as well. You know, so it, it, these things are um, uh, often multifaceted in the way that they impact your life, but you can normally identify, you know, a, a few key things. You know, or, or identify one one reason why mm. things might have kind of gone astray from there on in. Um, so. You know, people. If people are given the opportunity to be able to self-identify, almost uh, self-identify their issues, they get given an opportunity to, and, and given the techniques to become introspective and to understand themselves um, better. And I, I think all of those things don't just help people not commit suicide. Uh, I think they help people not even get anywhere near that. Yeah. So. Um, you know, early intervention uh, is the thing. And, you know, they talk about men's health. I mean, at, at what point has anybody ever spoken to you about men's health ever? Ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> you know, if, it, if it's not for a charity on TV or, you know, some high-profile person dying and there being a wave of um, um, empathy around that whole situation, I mean, you just don't you don't hear about it. Yeah. And when has anybody ever come to you and say, oh, look, I want to equip you with the with the skill set and the tools that you need to be able to dig yourself out of a situation that you are definitely going to come across sometime between now and the time you're dead? And this could be in the next five years, could be 20 years, could be 20 years. You're going to have a marriage failure, you're going to have a business uh, break up you're going to have you're going to be bullied you're going to have you're going to be assaulted you're going to find yourself in an embarrassing situation you're going to fuck something up terribly and uh so what are you going to do when that all happens the answer is i don't know most people have no idea yeah how do i claw myself back from that what happens if four of those things happen in the same week yeah lose your job lose your wife crash your car 
what 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 happens to you and uh, most people don't have a contingency mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they don't understand they don't know what the knee-jerk reaction would be to tragedy or a series of them in a row they don't live in expectation of them they don't understand that these things are it's not a matter of if they'll happen it's when mm. and to what extent that the, some bad things are going to impact on their life so they live a life under the guise of oh well i just want to be happy and they don't understand that happiness is, is just a falsity. You actually don't even want to be around happy people. Happy people are annoying. If they're happy all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's not what we're after. What what we're after is contentment punctuated with moments of happiness. Mm. That's what gives people that that's what gives people purpose. Mm. Um so and, and, and people that are enjoying purpose tend to be happier. Mm. So, um, so if, if you if you your contentment is normally driven by your uh, um, your your sense as to how well that you're moving forward, and it doesn't matter where you're moving forward from. If you're if you if, if that's a, you're a young person and you're working your way uh, in in your first job, that's you know that's one way. If you're a millionaire becoming a billionaire, that's another thing. It, it, but if you're just moving forward, if you're just a, an amateur arm wrestler and you're just trying to beat the guy that, that's a bit better than you at the club, but that's your little mission. Mm-hmm. That's your mission. That's your purpose in, in that regard. And I'm mm-hmm. sure it, it, you know, there's many little missions that people should have in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, They should have little missions going in all the important facets of their life, their work, their family life, uh, their relationships, their important uh, relationships, maybe that's with their children or, the, or their friends and their family. They should have little missions. They have a little thing. We're going to go to the winery with our friends on uh, at least once a month. We're, we're going to – I'm going to do this with the kids every every twice a week. We're yeah. going to do this uh, as a ritual with the family every Saturday evening. We're going to – these are these are very simple, straightforward strategies that are rarely shared with people, and there is no wonder, no wonder, we have a crisis of masculinity, mm. and why we have a, a, a the highest rates of suicide that have ever been recorded happening mm. in what is comfortably the most prosperous our country has ever been. Yeah, it's kind of it's the same as um, my children of. Well, trust fund babies or whatever, you know. Children of really rich parents tend to do terribly mm. because they have a permanent safety net. Mm. Whatever they try to do, they they know that it's okay if I fail yeah. because I'll be fine. Yeah. And it's like, but for everyone else, it's like, this better work yeah. <laughs> or I'm screwed. And yeah. so, you know, you, you've got so much more... You're gonna be working so much harder if it, if if everything relies on this thing working. Yeah. You're gonna put um, so much more time, effort, thought, commitment, sacrifice, discipline into getting that thing to work yeah. than the guy who's like, "I'll give it a go," but you know, if it doesn't work, I don't care. Yeah, well, they don't have the opportunity to build resilience because you need uh, resilience to ultimately be successful. And if you don't have, again, the tools to develop resilience, then mm-hmm. failure ensues. And it doesn't matter where you start in life, that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, these are, it, it is difficult. It is a, it's a, it's a difficult, uh, sensitive subject that, and I, and I heard a story today um, about... Uh, uh, about a friend, a mutual friend, and um, you know, just harrowing. And you can see how people, um, how their lives can 
all seemingly turn on ahead and um, and and you, the, the the worst thoughts enter their into their mind in in that situation. But um, I'm also very very confident that when these things happen, most people aren't prepared in a positive way. They're prepared to react in it in in the most negative way. And um, and that's because of the preparation. If something bad happens, the expectation is is that you'll respond negatively. Mm, mm. It's the it's the it's our cultural and societal expectation. Um, and and you know to to some extent, you know, if it's really bad, you, you're going to. It's a. I mean, you might be a psychopath if you didn't right, to yeah. some degree. But it's to the degree. It is to the degree, and if you've done the work and you've, you 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 are prepared and you've got a contingency and you've got a plan for when things inevitably go wrong, then inevitably when things do go wrong, you you your plan will save you. Mm. Yeah, it's like you know the issue comes up, you whatever it happens, mm. uh, you let that overwhelm you for a couple of minutes. Mm. You feel that pain, annoyance, anger, frustration. Mm. Okay, what am I going to do to fix no, it? No. Yeah. <laughs> How do I fix this? Yes. That's the next step. Yeah. It's okay to feel the fury and whatever it is that, that, that got you in that oh. moment. Yeah. But it's, and it'd be crazy if you didn't. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's like you get that and then now I need to fix this problem. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me find out. Well, let me bring the tools that I need that I've developed over my lifetime to address this issue yeah. uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, having no tools and then that overwhelming emotion just continues and yeah. spirals into you know whatever and destruction yeah uh so it is difficult it's like the, have you read that men are from mars women are from venus thing you know the idea of um uh, <laughs> i had to learn this uh early in our marriage which was interesting for me um that <laughs> but tegan my wife tegan uh when she's telling me a problem she just wants to tell me her feelings about the problem. Yeah, she doesn't want me to fix the problem. Yes, yeah, but you want to fix. The I problem. want to fix the you problem. Want to fix the problem. Oh well, let's just fix it. Yeah, uh, it's like I don't want you to fix it. Well, and I that, just want to tell you about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's the heart of your uh, your issue about the, uh, the the less than masculine way right. uh, of uh, that men are expected to address their depression, which is to go and have a chat about mm. it. Well, if you go talk talk to another bloke, he'll he'll want to fix it for you, <laughs> you know. And uh, these aren't things that other people can fix for you. Often they're things that you need to change your orientation around. Right. So, yeah. you know, having, some, having somebody to talk to, to hear your problems is good, but men really want practical ways in order to fix things and to get things going. Mm. And in when it comes to a lot of these, these issues, it, it, uh, invariably... I mean, you don't spend any. You don't spend more time with anybody else other than yourself, and yep. it's yourself that'll have to sort through these problems. Men need the tools. They they need the guidance. They need that. And you know, there's um, um, there are resources available to people. And and uh, and certainly, if people are watching and they're suffering in this way, and they're and they're wondering, you know, what might be. Uh, some of their options or some of the strategies that they can employ certainly reach out to the podcast and you know we'll happily uh, do what we can to point you in the right direction and um, you know the um, uh, and if you find talking to somebody else helpful by all means go for it do it I'm not saying don't we're just saying that uh, for a lot of men that's not the the path and and for them to feel that that's the only way mm. um, leads to many. Um, unfortunately, feeling that there aren't any other options, mm. and uh, 
um, and, uh, and, and feel disempowered and unable to address these issues mm. on their own or that they're discouraged from uh, even attempting to do so when mm. um, our observation might be that that uh, is certainly worth uh, worthy of consideration if they've got the right tools to do so. Exactly, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. well, that's it. And, and that's why I love the arm wrestling club so much. You know, you meet yep. so many great people and you are under adversity. You're trying to yeah. beat them. They're beating you. You're losing. You're trying yeah. this and then sometimes you win. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, great fun, you know, and that the camaraderie that comes with that, and that's why we wanted to make it a team, and you're part of the club, and uh, you're, you know, one of the guys, and I make a profile for you, and you're on yeah. the site, and you're thing, and whatever, yeah. you know, it's like oh, I'm part of something. I've, yeah. I've got a reason, you know. It, it, yeah, it, it creates community. It's all those things we were mentioning before, which were, um, you know, great things about uh, um, about sport, and that it, it create uh, uh, well, the things in in sport that maybe you try to replicate the religious. Side the religious na- uh, side, the religious side, yeah, the religious side of things, right. uh, and uh, w- w- religious uh, the rituals. Oh, um, yeah. you know that they're having the uh, you know training on Sunday, and 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 then it, it, when when that's not on, there's always a chat group people can go to, and then you know there's a there's always a super match to talk about, and so yeah. you know everybody's got their it, it's a, um, a and and you know I think everybody needs these communities you know these are these are the things that people should be seeking out and and maybe maybe you know further to the point that uh uh you were asking me to make before you know maybe maybe that is the answer you know maybe people just need to be in commune with people that share their vested interests share their values share their morals and uh uh and uh, enjoy doing what they love with people that they enjoy well, I think that's a pretty good way to wrap it up. Uh, yeah, so we've uh, this is episode. F- I think we're up to forty nine. Forty nine. We'll have to do something special next time. Fifty. Yeah, yeah. fifty. That'll be a big one. Yeah, yeah. yeah the half ton. Yeah, yeah. We'll we're almost a, there. Bring okay. a cricket bat in and wave it around. I wonder if we can get uh, Vincent Ronaldo in. <laughs> I I'd wanna, love, I'd love uh, it. That would be my favourite <laughs> thing. If anybody knows Vincent Ronaldo, <laughs> like, um, yeah. we would love to get Vincent. <laughs> it would be really so would. good. It We'd would be, be fanboying over. Yeah. The yeah. whole time. <laughs> we have no idea who we are. Oh no, no, absolutely, <laughs> no reason to either. No, I mean, totally. We didn't have ads on the TV in the 1980s every every <laughs> Sunday before the news. That's for sure. So, uh, well, thank you to everybody that's hung in there and 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 listened to this podcast. That's been across a whole range of issues, none of which we were appropriately qualified to discuss. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but hoping that you uh, you enjoyed it nonetheless. And of course, uh, we'll be back next uh, Thursday with a whole lot more uh, combat sports action um, and uh, actually I don't even know who's going to be our guest as yet not sure but mm. you got anything big coming up maybe on the 27th of uh, uh, 27th and uh, 27th of August we're at uh, we're at Garage Wars Garage Wars 2.0 is, is, is what the marketing people say <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you very much to uh, Andy and, and Mario for uh, uh, putting on a spectacular event um, uh, I believe Jake Ward's going to be there yeah. uh, calling the action and uh, I'll be uh, making an appearance in the background. I'll, I'll try and stick my head on, on camera at some stage. <laughs> I'll walk through. Yeah, I'll walk through, just a casual walk through. Um, and um, so that, that's, that's going to be that's going to be huge. So that's in Melbourne yeah. on, the, on the 27th of August. And uh, so a big one there. Four weeks later, we're at uh, uh, the 1st of um, October, we, uh, four or five weeks later. Um, we're um, at uh, Adelaide Oval for DFC 15, which... Um, yeah, some spectacular matchups coming our way for that one. So uh, 
uh, certainly stay tuned to that. So Absolutely. That, that's my calendar. And I think on the on the 22nd of September, if you want to make your way to Mawson Lakes, it's Dog's Day Out. And I'm yeah. seeing that. So dogs Phil, we'll bring, your, bring your dogs. It'll be good fun. <laughs> I've got two dogs. Have you? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. They would run off instantly. Yeah. Um, I would spend the whole time going, ah! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they mightn't win any prizes. Probably then. not. No. Okay. not. Not the Dog of the Year award. <laughs> the Matt Connolly Dog of the Year award. The Matt Connolly Dog of the Year award. We can just start giving that one out yeah. to anybody we like. Yeah. It's probably an insult if you give that to, to, a, to a person. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? <laughs> you. You bastard. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Ha. Ah.